Being a parent can be really challenging. Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them on their parenting journey. Everyone deserves someone they can turn to for help with parenting. Visit ChildAndFamilyResourceNetwork.org today. This show is part of the Head Stuff Podcast Network. This is how it's always been. I'm on the outside looking in. Welcome to Double Love, the podcast in which we explore the strange and terrifying world of Sweet Valley High, book by book. I'm Anna Carey. I'm Karen Moynihan. And we're back! We're back! We were (laughs) off the airways because I got hit by COVID. Now it's got both of us now. Yeah. (laughs) (sighs) For one all. (laughs) Well, hopefully it will stay just one all. (laughs) I don't want to go through that again. Please no. (laughs) Um, So yes, it's been a while since we've been in Sweet Valley, but uh, we are very pleased to be back because this one is a ridiculous romp. It's perfect oh, summer. Look at my goodness. It's a super edition and it sure is super. Oh my God. I don't know who this ghostwriter was, <laughs> but they had notions. They were full of melodrama. I loved it. They kind of went rogue. And yeah, I'm absolutely <laughs> here for it. Like, <laughs> Well, we will. We, I mean, we don't want to spoil any of this. The only thing I will say is that it does have a stupid Todd Liz misunderstanding, which, you know, yeah. is not welcome but (laughs) everything else around it is so hilariously ridiculous that I don't even care true yeah we'll probably just skim over a lot of the Todd and Liz stuff because there's so much other brilliant things to to get stuck into (laughs) well I think most of my notes for the Todd Liz arguments just say a stupid argument to choose so yeah that's all you need to know (laughs) well we'll dive right in with taglines and blurbs and there isn't a cover tagline because it is a super edition but can you give us the backline please I certainly can (laughs) So and it good. is simply geared up for adventure. Oh, we start with the bike bombs. Mm-hmm. Here's the full blurb. It's summer in Sweet Valley. When is it fucking not? I mean... <laughs> oh, sorry. When it's winter carnival. Yes, that's when. Um, but yes, it's summer. They're on their holidays. God knows what time of the year it is. I guess it's after the last year of school. Um, who knows? <laughs> And the Wakefield twins and their friends are taking a bike trip up the beautiful California coast. What could be more exciting than four weeks of glorious sunshine, sandy beaches and endless fun at every stop? I mean, something that doesn't involve cycling up mountains would be more fun. (laughs) Fair, yeah. Because that part sounds righteous. Anyway, but the dream of a perfect vacation soon fades. (gasps) Elizabeth Wakefield is about to break up with her boyfriend, Todd, over another girl. Uh, When is she not? (laughs) (laughs) Indeed. Her twin, Jessica, chases after sexy (laughs) Wolfie October. Oh my God, I love it. I love it so much. (laughs) (laughs) And he is nearly always referred to by his full name. So good. It just gets funnier and funnier. Uh, so yes, she chases after sexy Robbie October, who ignores her. Bruce Batman is mean to his cousin Roger. We're in that stage of proceedings. Mm. Lila Fowler holds a grudge against Miss Dalton, and Miss Dalton is barely speaking to Mr. Collins. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Can this feuding group unite when an unexpected disaster threatens their lives? <gasps> 
Join the Sweet Valley Gang as they find love and adventure on the road. I mean, I don't even... Which disaster threatens their lives? Because there's two. There are two. I guess one of them really just mostly threatens oh, that's some true. of the group, but the yeah. other one actually does threaten everybody, so... Yeah, that's yeah. true, actually. There's disasters okay. aplenty. <laughs> it's actually fairly accurate. For one yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, I don't know if the cover... The cover actually is accurate. No, oh, it is. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right down no. to Jessica's pose. Um, oh, can you describe it? <laughs> I love this cover so much. Oh, it's so good. Classic. It's gorgeous. Like, so yeah, like it's it's Liz and Jess, of course. Uh, like it's a classic twin cover, but like, I don't know. I just feel like Liz, this is the best Liz has ever looked on a book cover. I feel like. Yes. I just, I just think right. she is absolutely stunning on this cover um they're both <laughs> they're both on bikes uh Jess well, is, one of them's well, sitting on a bike but one of them is kind of lounging against a bike I'm not really sure <laughs> <what's going laughs> on. Jessica Jessica oh Jessica she is pulling this kind of pose that actually yeah now that you say it is mentioned it in the is. book yeah she's kind of got her arm thrown over her head uh, and there is a mention of her doing a ridiculous cover girl pose mm-hmm. uh, at one point so this is this is what this is doing we love it when they get specific with the covers um her hair is flowing free she's looking off to the side looking delighted with herself mid laugh all very carefree <laughs> and jubilant uh she's wearing a pink kind of <gasps> tank top the lavalier is on show looking great and she is wearing these <laughs> fantastic shorts that have like pink and white vertical stripes on them I mean I don't know on my cover the shorts kind of look a little bit silky I'm gonna say it I was just gonna say that I think they are silk shorts Mm, they look a bit like pajamas it actually looks like a pajama set that you'd buy now but like I also get how they could just be her her summer cycling outfit Mm. (laughs) why not um yes Liz then is uh sitting on her bike and I just I just love how she looks on this so much like she's got the barrettes in place but again the mm-hmm. hair is managing to flow a little free they've got a wind machine on oh, the go or something here certainly <laughs> is, yes. she's breezy up in the mountains um, <laughs> and she's wearing a little kind of polo shirt little short sleeves it's kind of a lemon yellow colour and her high-waisted shorts are the same colour so it's just like this lovely little kind of two-piece outfit the shorts look so good on her like the that kind of yeah. high-waisted shorts like it just looks really current and brilliant and I don't know. I just love her on this cover so much. I think she's never looked better. It's a great cover. She is spectacular. Mm. And so is the book. Mm-hmm. Um, because it, been, it begins in the Casa del Wakefield, where the twins are preparing for this bicycle trip. And Jessica is uh, literally wailing in sorrow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's kind of her default mode. If she's not scheming, she's wailing. Um, so, yeah, she is trying to pack uh, <laughs> for this trip, but finding it a bit uh, difficult because she's having to really whittle down the old wardrobe and it's not really going to plan. <laughs> she hasn't really thought through that she's going to have to carry all her shit with her as she's mm. cycling. So Liz is trying to talk some sense into her. <laughs> well, she does. She is very impractical because she's wailing at the prospect of bringing just two pairs of jeans. Jeans are not very practical for cycling hundreds of miles. Like she's cycling hundreds of miles in California in the summer. Oh. Like I think you'd be okay in a few pairs of shorts. Mm. <laughs> and you like jeans would be chafing away mm. at you after a certain point. Um, well, Jess, Liz tries to make her see, see reason and tells her it's a bike trip, not a fashion show. But Jessica wants to look her best for the hunks she thinks she'll meet on the road. 
Yeah, she's, as ever, a woman on a mission. It's great. I suppose, yeah, this book is kind of slotting in somewhere, I think, before Todd has gone off to Vermont. So we're still in, like, Liz and Todd before any major moving upheaval. Mm. Uh, Jess is a free agent and how. And, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of where we're at. Kara is still around, all that kind of stuff, yeah. Roger has only recently sort of joined the Patman Mm. household. Yeah. Um, so Jessica packs three pairs of frankly impractical trousers and then picks up some can I say? you can yeah because you must (laughs) (laughs) some of raw silk pants oh my god yes they're apparently Liz's pearl grey raw silk slacks like (laughs) what are you doing with a pair of raw (laughs) silk slacks Elizabeth Jesus Christ (laughs) Well, uh, yeah, Jessica's trying to steal them, um, but Liz stops her. And uh, Jessica says that Liz doesn't understand how important making an impression on hunks, uh, roadside hunks is, <laughs> because she has Todd. And uh, Elizabeth consoles her by telling her that she'll end up with a different boyfriend at every campsite, um, a boy at every port, so to speak. <laughs> which cheers Jessica up no end. Well, that'll do it. Yeah, that's how you get her back on side. So uh, she, Liz also suggests that Barry Cooper, who's joining them on the trip, might uh, turn out to be a, a worthy uh, target. But <laughs> Jessica doesn't think the Chrome Dome's nephew will be up to much. And sadly, she is uh, she is right. Mm, yeah, Basic yeah. things on her terms, which are oh, yes. terrible. Christ, as ever. Uh, yeah, so yeah, this this guy, Barry Cooper, yeah, he's, he's uh, the principal's nephew. For some reason, he's being brought along on this trip. Also, like, this trip is happening in the summer holidays. And can you imagine teachers during the summer holidays being like, let's go do a big fucking trip with a bunch of students? Like, no, Four absolutely weeks, not. Apparently. Four no way. Weeks. I was like, that's just not happening. <laughs> well, speaking of teachers, Elizabeth is uh, a bit worried about them because accompanying them on this trip... Cause, yeah, because it is like an official school thing, even though it's mm. happening in the summer, are Mr. Collins <laughs> and Ms. Dalton. But apparently they recently broke up and she has, Ms. Dalton has been seeing um, George Fowler again. So Mr. Collins seems to be heartbroken. And uh, Jessica thinks that Ms. Dalton's new love is going to cause problems with one person who's going on the trip. But that person is Lila. Of course, yeah. So Lila, of course, is not too happy with Miss Dalton uh, because I guess she's feeling like she's taken up all of her dad's time, mm-hmm. uh, which was kind of the, the case before with her, all right. So it's it's kind yeah. of just playing playing that up again. But um, yeah, so Lila, it, it seems surprising that Lila is going on this trip. Uh, <laughs> but there you go, she's coming too. And yeah, so there's all kinds of opportunities for friction and strained relationships even before they've left the school campus. So yeah. Yeah, things are tense. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, they, they're also, so they're, they've got Olivia versus, sorry, not Olivia, um, they've got Lila versus Madalton, they've got Bruce versus Roger, because they're both, you know, mm. they're still at odds. And yes, yeah, so Liz hopes that Olivia will balance things out, because she's got kind of a chill vibe. But uh, Jessica doesn't think much of her, and indeed uses this as an excuse to make a jibe about Enid. Oh yeah, as ever, it just takes a chance to get a to get a dig in at poor old Enid, who is spending the summer working at Casey's ice cream parlor, apparently in the mm. mall. So that's what she's at uh, for the summer. Uh, I just keep picturing her as like dressed in the little kind of sailor outfit that, like, yes! I don't know. Did you watch Stranger Things when they yes! were like scoops ahoy? That's all I could think of with like Enid <laughs> working in the in the ice cream parlor. It's like ah, there she is now. <laughs> uh, Stephen Robin, they're amazing. Yes. Scoops ahoy! I love those two. Yeah. Oh, my favorite plot line of that entire season was the two of them and their 
child sidekicks. Oh, um, so great. Like, God, she could be, oh my God. Maybe it's the mid eighties. Look, she's she could be foiling a whole <laughs> Russian sci-fi plot going on underground for oh, all we know. <laughs> my God, it's nineteen eighty-five, which is the year that season was set. So you know? I think we we bl- blown it all wide. <laughs> <laughs> no, we've cracked this case. So the twins what? are dicking around on bikes, but Ian is actually having all the action. <laughs> I would read that super thriller. <laughs> There's your fic crossover. <laughs> oh, write that, please, please, listeners. <laughs> Well, uh, Liz makes um, Jessica take back her jibes about Enid and makes her promise to be nice to everyone on the trip. Imagine having to do that to like oh make God. your sister promise that they're not going to be an absolute prick. I feel like please don't be an asshole to literally everybody on this trip. Okay, it's going to be four weeks. We're all going to be on bikes to be sound. But yeah, that's that's just how you have to go with Jessica. <laughs> So they finally set off, laden down with bags, and uh, Stephen and Jessica sort of banter back and forth. And when Stephen makes a joke about uh, Jessica, she says, (laughs) what is the first of many references to this object? Actually, Karen, can you share it, please? Oh, fine. I knew you'd make me say it. <laughs> yeah, so Stephen makes some joke about Jessica and she hits back with, Steve, why don't you make like a seafood special and just clam up? <laughs> <laughs> Although, to be fair, this is actually a reference I can get on board with because that was pretty funny. It is funny. Uh, but uh, it's not the only clam reference in this book, listeners. I was genuinely amazed at how many of them Oh, God. So they arrive at the school where they're all sending off from and they see the rest of the gang. So we've got Olivia, uh, as mentioned, mm-hmm. Annie Whitman's coming on board. Um, handsome Mr. Collins, we're told. <laughs> uh, Bruce and his friend Charlie Marcus. I can't believe they just, like, why did they bring Ken or somebody or even some? Yeah. Ca- Wait, Tom why didn't they bring Ken? Please, yeah, why didn't you bring Ken, you <laughs> bastards? Why have you left him at home all summer? Poor guy. <laughs> tossing a football all on his own. Oh, he is mentioned, though. That's true. He is. That's true. But yeah, they're going to have, like, he's there because he's Bruce's friend from the mm. tennis team. But, like, they could have a character who is mentioned in the actual main series. Uh, Charlie Marcus is mentioned at some point. I just can't remember. Yeah, he he is like an established, like random guy in the background of the tennis team. I feel like Um, I've definitely seen that name before. Yeah, I'm sure our listeners will know exactly who he is (laughs) and what book he was in because we can just never remember these things when we're actually recording. It all comes back to us right after. So yeah. (laughs) Well, uh, there's there's Roger Patman is there too, and finally, poor Barry Cooper. These people are bunch. Oh, God. Even the moment he arrives. Literally. And it's, yeah, it's, it's that, it's, it's the Robin Wilson effect, like where there's just, there's an overweight character. So it's literally within a half a page, there's about 10 different insults uh, thrown at this poor kid, whether in like internal monologues or just people openly being absolute pricks to his face. But Mm -hmm. like all the way through the book, there is just absolutely horrendous treatment uh, of poor Barry. It's really bad. Yeah, it's and even for the moment he appears, we're told all eyes were on the pudgy, 
pale-faced boy who waddled out. Jessica literally groans, oh no. And when he Barry tries to get his bags out and drops them on the ground, Bruce snickers. And uh, Jessica says to her twin, well, Liz, so much for Prince Charming. Seems more like a toad to me. And we're told Elizabeth felt a sinking sensation in the pit of her stomach. She suspected that Mr. Cooper's roly-poly nephew... <sighs> Yeah. And come all the way from Ohio for a whopping big dose of trouble. I mean, that says a lot about your horrible, shitty school. Mm, doesn't it? And the fact that Liz is meant to be the fucking saintly, super sound to everybody is everybody's friend. Even her kind of thought about Barry immediately is to call him a roly-poly nephew. Like, <laughs> what is this? Oh, my God. Well, I mean, it's it's not really surprising given the way mm. she was with Robin not that long ago, I guess, at this stage in the timeline. True. Well, we cut to a few days later. They're out on the road now and Liz is writing to Enid. And we learn that they're, they've got a sort of a rota going so everyone takes turns to do the various jobs. Olivia and Liz were on cooking duty the night before where they insanely tried to make individual chicken parmigiana cutlets on a fucking campfire. <laughs> I don't know how everyone hasn't died from salmonella already, to be honest. <laughs> But yeah, Liz realises the folly of her way pretty quick, apparently. And they realise now that next time they'll know to stick to something really simple like hot dogs. And it's like, dude, yes, obviously. What were you thinking? Or even, you know, at most something you could cook in a pot. True. <laughs> well, everyone's on their best behaviour so far, including Lila and Bruce. They're both being fine. Um, and uh, they're all sort of doing their bit. Mr. Collins has given them a little warning about fire safety and always Ooh. making sure fires go out with sand and stuff so just bear that in mind listeners <laughs> unsurprisingly the bike riding part is horrendous uh, <laughs> absolutely sounds it to me and poor Barry is always far behind and apparently the rest of them are just being dicks pretty much yeah like there's <laughs> like it's like Roger Collins and Nora kind of take turns being the cyclist at the back to kind of bring up the rear of the group to make sure everybody's okay but yeah, poor Barry is kind of just left at the back of the group the whole time. And yeah, everyone is just awful. Like apparently he keeps messing up all the simple chores, but like, I don't know. It's, it also seems like nobody's given him a hand or being yeah. in any way fucking friendly or nice to him. Like, uh, and then he's, he's, he's done the most criminal thing of all, which is have a crush on <laughs> Jessica, apparently. Uh-oh. Yeah, and she says, I wish I could tell you that Barry fits right in with the Sweet Valley kids, but nothing could be further from the truth. I've already found myself defending him several times against nasty remarks, and I'm afraid this may only be the beginning. I Now, there's some things about this that I just do not buy in terms of the rest of the characters, or it's because basically it's sort of the vibe all the way along that people, people in general mm. are just sort of dickish to Barry and he feels really left out. And like Olivia and Roger are are established as being nice characters yeah Annie's been bullied herself Annie gets being an outsider like yeah, yeah. those three in particular it, it would be very unlike their character yeah that we know so far at least like for them not to be nice to this kid yeah. like uh like yeah Bruce and I guess Charlie was a bit of an unknown entity going into mm. it but like Bruce and Lila and Jessica yes you would expect them to just straight up bully that poor lad yeah but like the rest of them are kind of established sounders like yeah. in the group so it doesn't make sense for them to be like ostracizing this poor kid yeah but we're told that in general like he's mm. having a hard time yeah which just doesn't seem seems the majority of people there are grand does mm. not seem very likely and if it is the case then they're I mean Elizabeth's standards for friends are pretty low there you go <laughs> well um, apparently Charlie uh, clearly fancies Annie because at this stage he's broken up with Ricky amicably 
and things are um are strained between Bruce and Roger and uh, they're also strained between Mr. Collins and Miss Dalton. But apparently when they set off on the journey, they told the gang this was a chance to sort of make a clean start with anybody. And it was clearly aimed at the Patman cousins. But Liz wonders if it's themselves too. Mm-hmm. And, sp- and speaking of the Patmans, they're the reason uh, for the group's next stop, but it's quite a glamorous one. Yeah, so their next stop is... LA. Uh, so they're going to stay with the Thomases, who apparently are friends of the Patmans. Uh, Mr. Thomas is this like big deal Hollywood agent, apparently has this enormous mansion uh, and he has he has offered the grounds of his mansion. <laughs> his so he's got this huge big mansion that he's rattling around in, basically him and servants and his daughter and all these suckers can just camp outside in the crowd <laughs> and they are not invited to have an actual bed. I mean, when I was, I don't know, I think it was, eight, yes, I was 18. It was uh, somewhere in 1994 when Fela, which was this big um, mm. festival that used to be on in, in Ireland in the 90s, was on in Thurlis. And me and my friends stayed in a tent in one of my friends, like her dad's cousin's garden. But that was a small <laughs> bungalow in the Irish Midlands. Yeah. So, and also, know. yeah, Fela people just camped literally on the footpath. Or yeah, literally everybody's back <laughs> gardens was open season. Like, yeah. Camping here, lads, for a fiver, be grand. But if they had lived in a mansion and we were but sitting there in our tent and I was trying to take my contact lenses out with a torch, like... Oh, Christ. But yeah, like that was perilous in the 90s. Not yeah. LA and a giant mansion. So I would have just been sitting... If I'd been in that tent next to a mansion, I'd have been like, come on, we're like yeah. weeing in, in, a, in a hedge. True. It'd make shite of his gardens, you'd imagine. The tents would all like flatten down all that grass. Yes. Like his well manicured lawns are going to be in absolute bits after this. So like just fucking let them stay in a wing of your mansion, dude. Oh, well, he's very inconsistent, inconsistent in his generosity, as we will see, <laughs> because uh, they head the next day and we're told that Liz had been ready for adventure, but nothing could have prepared her for Courtney Thomas because the estate as mentioned is super super uh, fancy and Mr Thomas in fairness gives them a very warm welcome but Courtney <laughs> does not oh my god Courtney is a stone cold bitch it's oh, she's hilarious. hilarious like they meet her when she's like sunning herself by the side of a pool like lounging in a deck chair I think does she even look at the group when they arrive she's just she's such an asshole but it's that pure like soap opera villainess kind oh. of intro uh, she like removes her sunglasses I think kind of surveys everybody in turn <laughs> and then just like puts the glasses back on doesn't even say hello like has a little drink of her fancy fucking drink with her straw like she is ice cold and she is so funny and I just love that it's another evil Courtney because wasn't that the girl um oh. from like the fancy private school that Jess or Lila were looking at or something no I don't think so but it's just funny that it's like Courtney's are evil basically <laughs> it does feel like an 80s villain name doesn't it yeah um, well we're told that she has tumbling jet black curls and a deep bronze tan and Mr Thomas asks his asks her to show the others where they can pitch their tents we're told her only response was to toss her black curls <laughs> disdain etched on her perfect features <laughs> she's an absolute gowl she's great oh, I love her well I love reading better I love to hate her yeah. so oh it gets even better so she's really rude 
And she doesn't say anything. She just like goes, Ugh, <laughs> sighs and uh, leads them reluctantly to the bit of the capacious grounds where <laughs> they'll be camping. And Mr. Thomas is very nice as he tells them to make themselves at home and if they need anything, come up to the house. But then he's interrupted <laughs> by a comedy bad boy. Oh my God. Yes, the roar of a dirt bike uh, <laughs> drowns out whatever it was he was going to say because it comes over the hill and straight towards the group and Mr. Thomas suddenly looks very concerned and frowny uh, whereas Courtney is absolutely thrilled to see this bad boy turning up and she's like Nolan and is waving her arms above her head Uh, but yeah Mr. Thomas is like "Uh, Courtney I thought we had decided you weren't going to see this boy anymore but uh, (laughs) Courtney clearly had other ideas and said she'd never give up Nolan because every other boy is totally dull compared to him (laughs) but like this lad is just driving around on his dirt bike again on these fancy lawns so obviously this guy's garden must be an absolute shite already because like what's going on here man <laughs> and I mean he's a he's a sight to behold um, <laughs> I mean his outfit I guess we'll have to wait yeah but. he's a bad boy you know he wears leather so that's all you have to know who's that <laughs> he has a Mohican <laughs> the kids of Sweet Valley simply do not know where to look <laughs> They really don't. Um, so uh, he's hilariously surly. He says, well, 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 what do we have for you? A bunch of good little boys and girls, hoping maybe some of it will rub off on Courtney, Mr. T. And Courtney Snickers, you've got his number, Nolan. But don't worry about my buying the goody, goody number. Just the thought of it puts me right to sleep. And Mr. Thomas is lifting up, for God's sake, Courtney, please, not now. This poor man is at his wit's end. <laughs> it's pretty funny. And then she says, me, I go where the action is. Is. And she gets in the back of his bike and he set, heads off, churning up the lawn. Oh, God. And uh, for, Mr. Thomas runs after him, telling them to come back. Uh, but uh, they ignore him and we're told the motorcycle got further and further away until Courtney, clad in nothing but her skimpy <laughs> bathing suit, was no more than a tiny speck on the horizon. Like, where is she going? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Uh, that's what I kept thinking. It was like, what is the story here? Like, <laughs> what's is, the plan, you guys? <laughs> have no shoes on. <laughs> they are out of here. <laughs> well, uh, Mr. Thomas apologizes for her, and later the kids chill by the pool. And Liz says she feels sorry for Mr. Thomas having such a gowl of a daughter <laughs> and she even feels sorry for Courtney because she must be miserable to act like that and Todd thinks she's spoiled it's beautiful but spoiled and Liz is all like beautiful but Todd's <laughs> like oh but you're even more beautiful so they kiss and all as well for now <gasps> <laughs> cue the pointless misunderstandings <laughs> well the next day Mr. Thomas has basically blackmailed, blackmailed Courtney into taking them around town, but she ditches them for Nolan. Oh my God, this is so funny. Yeah, they're, they're, she takes them for lunch somewhere um, down by the water. All sounds very nice. But yeah, Nolan turns up on his bike and whisks her away. Uh, so yeah, the, apparently the, the group assured Mr. Thomas that her desertion had in no way put a damper on their day in Los Angeles. And it's like, yeah, surely it was better because, you know, that sulky bitch like moping around <laughs> with you. But um, yeah, Steve, Steve Thomas has just, he's, he's had it up to here with this young one. <laughs> 
Well, in uh, in, in desperation, he invites um, Ms. Dalton and Mr. Collins up to the mansion. Well, we're told the kids are out <laughs> getting a taste of Los Angeles's glittery nightlife. So it's a bunch of children have just been let loose <laughs> in 1985 in LA with no chaperone or adult present. And they're just like, yeah, we're just going to have some cocktails. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Where are the adults? <laughs> oh, well, they're in the mansion. And uh, <laughs> Mr. Thomas tells the teachers that ever since Courtney met Nolan, uh, she's been impossible to control. And uh, Miss Dalton drinks chilled champagne, but the others are drinking non-alcoholic drinks, which is a bit odd. Oh, yeah. So Mr. Collins is drinking a Perrier with lime, and Mr. Thomas also has a Perrier. Um, so uh, just bear that in mind, listeners, just for in uh, light of what Courtney tells people later. So it's um, Mr. Collins is feeling a bit awkward because this random man is telling him about all the problems he has, like, he's having with his daughter. This is the, the thing. This man has just met these people and he's just like <laughs> unloading all his fucking family issues and trauma onto them. And they're just like, what is happening? <laughs> well, Mr. Thomas has a plan. Oh, God. Yeah, he wants to fucking lump them with Courtney because he <laughs> can't be arsed. <laughs> But like, again, he literally met these people yesterday and he's like, please take my troubled teenage daughter with you for four weeks. I just met you, but I'm sure it's fine. Yeah, Mr. Collins is like, oh, well, I suppose we could take turns to like have, you know, three of the girls sleep, you know, sleeping three in a tent because the arrangement is that it's mm. like they've got enough tents for everybody to share. Them. Um, But he says we've already booked, you know, beds and hostels. And Mr. Thomas is like, oh, I'll sort that out for you. And you think he'd spring for a tent as Fucking well. Get them a tent, dude, because you're really kind of cramping everybody's style now by sending your nightmare daughter along. <laughs> Because he says that uh, he just ha- he'll do anything except buy a tent. Uh, because <laughs> Miss Bertie Nolan has like got up to all sorts of criminal activities in the past year, and he he uh, was held hauled down to the police station for holding up a grocery store. So he's quite bad, hmm. um, armed robbery. But he got off at a technicality. Mr. Collins does think that Mr. Thomas has just given up on disciplining his daughter. Um, but he yeah. does feel sorry for her, so he agrees that she can come. The fool. <laughs> Yeah, I think as Miss Dalton is kind of like, you know, we couldn't possibly refuse you if everything you say is true. So they're kind of like, oh shit, okay, I guess we're doing this. <laughs> More fool them. Mm. Well, the next morning, Courtney is all smiles as she greets the group with blueberry muffins and says she wants to make a full, uh, fresh start. But Jessica isn't convinced. And the others are, you know, given her recent behaviour, uh, with all her like, oh, you goody goodies, squares, I've got nothing to vote back. Um, <laughs> but they they succumb to her charms in about five minutes. They're easily bought by some muffins. Very true. Yeah. Although I do love like Lila and Jess are definitely still a bit suspicious of her because like because she did call the group goody goodies. And I just love that like for Lila and Jessica, that is like the worst thing she could have called them. <laughs> so they're very affronted by this accusation and they are just most unimpressed with this whole thing. They're just like, I mean, no, we don't trust her. <laughs> well, we know what they think of glamorous rich girls. They, they just it's their natural enemy, really. Mm. So um, it seems that Courtney, you know, is focusing a lot of her attention on Todd. And um, 
Then she says that her father, she's joining them on the trip and she, her father wanted her to come to give her a taste of the real world. And Liz notices um, the two teachers exchanging a meaningful glance. And mm. this is striking because apparently they barely looked at each other over the last few days. Um, so, Because Liz just can't help being involved in everybody's business and keeping tabs on everybody, whether they're giving meaningful looks or oh, no looks at all. God, <laughs> so nosy. So um, nosy. <laughs> Well, the gang are heading to Disneyland that day and Courtney offers to take them around and Todd is impressed uh, by her friendly attitude. But Liz is like, well, it's been weird that she's done a total, you know, Mm. uh, turnaround to 24 hours. And um, Todd's like, oh, you always told me you should give someone the benefit of the doubt. Like, why can't you do the same for Courtney? It's like, oh my God, shut up, Todd. (laughs) He's so annoying about Courtney in this book. It's just so contrived and stupid. It is, yeah. Oh God. Yeah, like he's he's won over so quickly. And like, Mm -hmm. in fairness to Liz, she's kind of like, are you seriously buying this act? Like, it's just a 180 in a matter of hours. And it's just, she's not convinced. And she's right not to be convinced. Of course she is. So uh, Liz tries to give Courtney the benefit of the doubt, but she can't help noticing when they go to Disneyland that Courtney is sticking like glue to Todd, especially when they go like the scary rides. Um, But we're told then that they had to leave Disneyland early because poor old Barry got sick on one of the rides. And we're told that Bruce made snide comments and some of the others snickered. Now who? Lonnie (laughs) Jeff. Yes. We want names. I do want names because I don't like Roger and Annie. Come on. This is the thing. The majority of this group are established like nice, kind characters. So this yeah. it's literally Jess, Lila, Bruce are the established assholes. So yeah. where is this bad behaviour coming from? I know. Like I can't understand why mm. the tone of the group is so uh, mean girly for me. Mm. Because it's <laughs> but um, anyway, partly it is. And uh, Courtney excuses herself to say goodbye to a friend and of course Elizabeth wonders if it could be Nolan but um, of course it is Liz but she distracts herself by snuggling close to Todd but her happiness does not last long because dinner is quite the occasion uh, yeah holy shit so <laughs> the book actually refers to Courtney as the princess uh, yes, holding princess court yeah, at the head of a long polished oak table under latticework canopy blanketed with grapevines. So it's quite uh, the affair, uh, this dinner. <laughs> but um, yeah, so she's kind of charming everybody with stories about Hollywood and celebrity neighbours and all her kind of like she, it does sound like she has good stories in fairness mm. to her. Um, so she's kind of winning everybody over over the course of the dinner um, because they're all kind of a bit starstruck by all yes. her, her name dropping basically <laughs> well the meal itself is super fancy uh they've got uh oh, I, do, I do like a bit of uh, melon with uh prosciutto mm. yeah um, big fan and uh but i'm not sure is that one of those words where you pronounce the c or not i think it's prosciutto Maybe it's prosciutto, like bruschetta. Uh, whatever it is, it tastes delicious. <laughs> and um, Roger Collins says that it's uh, quite uh, a contrast to their usual fare of canned stew. And Courtney is clearly horrified at the prospect of eating canned food. And Jessica jibes that it tastes great after a long day of hard labour, which you know Courtney wouldn't understand. Spends all the time lounging around. And Courtney starts to say, maybe dinner from a can is good enough for you, Jessica. But then realises that sounds bad. And it's like, then I guess it's good enough for me. <laughs> That's it. There's all these little kind of flashes of, of 
real Courtney before she kind of catches herself and uh, covers up with her nice girl act again. So yeah, she's like, oh, it's just one of those things I'll have to get used to on this trip. So she's still like, yes, I'm so excited to go on this fucking four week long bike trip. <laughs> and these absolute saps um, gets uh, get, like are like, oh, well, I guess she's seen the error of her ways, which means they are extremely gullible. Mm, true. That's all I can say. So, uh, yeah, they, um, she, she, they, they've got brownies for dessert. And Mr. Thomas says, Courtney, my Courtney doesn't believe any dinner is complete without chocolate. And Todd is like, oh, I agree. And Cor- Elizabeth is chilled mm-hmm. by Court- this interaction between Todd and Courtney. And well, she might be. Well, yeah, this is the thing. Todd is kind of just a dumbass in this oh book my God. and just has no awareness as to the fact that Courtney is very clearly flirting with him a lot. Um, and he's just like, oh, we're just friends. I'm being friendly. <laughs> um, but of course, Liz is kind of sitting there watching all this, just like, ah, fuck this now. So yeah, she's kind of suspicious even more so of Courtney. And it just kind of, it rubs her up the wrong way completely. And uh, I think she even has like, yeah, she she kind of sees Courtney smile at some point and it just seems... It's an evil, I just pictured like a big Grinch smile or something that she's, she's so completely up to something. Um, so, uh, yeah, um, the, um, the she's quiet. Liz is quiet for the rest of the evening and Todd does notice, but she's like, no, I'm fine. Um, and then Todd is like, yeah, that dinner was great. The only part of it that wasn't great was, you know, the fact that Jess was being a bit mean to Courtney, which understandably annoys Liz. Like, why is Todd immediately taking Courtney's side when Courtney was wildly rude to everybody from mm. the start? True, yeah. So there's an awkward moment and they sort of bicker with each other, which we're not going to go into because you could guess. The sort yeah, of not the usual. <laughs> but uh, Todd does apologise mm-hmm. and... um. Uh, Liz, so they they make up, but Liz is still unsettled. Mm. So the next day, Lila and Jess are exhausted by the non-stop hills they've been cycling up, which does sound absolutely horrendous. And uh, Liz or Jessica tells Lila not to make any jibes about the food because they don't want to sound like a spoiled little miss, you know who, <laughs> who is apparently constantly getting the boys to help her. Hmm. Yeah, she. I think Lila kind of takes her off at one point, and she's like, "Yeah, because she's just giving out saying that girl's going to drive me up the wall." Bruce, how do these bags attach to my bike? Oh, can you do it for me, Todd? Will you be a dear and massage my back? So yeah, she's just really laying it on thick with all the lads, and it's just driving Jessica and Lila bananas. They're just fed up with her already. <laughs> well, Olivia hears their bitching and asks if they're jealous, and they insist they're not. Um, but it is quite amusing when Lila criticizes Courtney for like never having known any hardship. <laughs> like her <laughs> yeah Jessica kind of has to stop herself from laughing because just like of all people Lila's hardly the one to talk about being weighted on hand and foot yeah. Uh, so yeah and just kind of points out that the way she's kind of talking about Courtney she could quite easily be describing herself back in mm-hmm. Fowler Crest but uh, but still Lila was right about Courtney according yes. to Jess and in fairness she is um, so they say that they get really mean because they say she's almost as bad as Barry and um, Lila reveals that um Barry had to uh, go back. Whether we'd, oh my God, listen to this. J- Jessica, speaking of which, where is the boy wonder anyway? Still struggling back near LA somewhere. Jessica burst out laughing at her own joke. Is, is that a joke? Like, I guess. How is that a joke? I don't know. 
And Olivia isn't amused. Yeah, see, Olivia won't join mm. in with their nonsense. Yeah. She says that Barry uh, went back with Annie because uh, she forgot to buy, uh, or sorry, Annie forgot to buy drinks for lunch. So Barry volunteered to go and get them himself. Mm. So like, he's a nice guy. And uh, Jessica just goes into this tirade of bitchiness. And it's absolutely gross. It's horrible. Yeah, it's just, well, this is it because Lila kind of makes the point that um, she's sure Barry wouldn't have minded in the least if uh, if Jess had gone along with, to the shop with him on, on bikes. But I think Liz has gone with him at the minute. So yeah, Lila's basically like, yeah, oh, he would have loved it if you went. So then Jessica's like, oh, do you have to remind me? And then just proceeds to be fucking terrible about poor old oh. Barry. Uh, and just like, oh, but he does have great taste. And this is where she pulls her cover girl pose that we actually yes. do have on the cover. It's just a pity she's being such a little bitch in the actual scene. <laughs> but um, yeah, so Olivia does kind of start laughing then at one point. Uh, I think when, when Jess says that he has great taste and... Uh, strikes her pose. Yeah, Olivia's like, oh, can we quote you on that, Jess? And Jess is like, no, I don't want him getting the idea. I approve of his little crush. And again, there's about eight different insults. Um, oh, horrible fat phobic. Just insults. horrible way that they're talking about Barry. And again, it's like within a paragraph. It's just like one thing Ugh. after another. And it's just so unnecessary. Really is. Um, and Le- or Jessica says she's also angry with Courtney for, for monopolising Todd. Uh, Olivia, the oh, I mean, really Olivia, uh, thinks Courtney may be a reformed character. But the other two, uh, when Olivia goes away, they want to get rid of her. And Jessica has a plan. She wants to make Courtney so miserable that her doting daddy has to take her away from the group and suggests that they start with uh, putting something cold and clammy in her sleeping bag. And Lila likes the idea, but... Um, uh, she wants to take it even further. Oh, yeah, uh, that's it. She kind of says, yeah, if it works on Courtney, maybe we can start using the same approach on Ms. Dalton. <gasps> uh, and Jessica kind of switches back now to kind of, you know, <laughs> reasonableness. And she's just like, OK, what's going on here? Like, why are you so down on her? Um, and I guess she actually likes Ms. Dalton. Apparently she gave her an A in French yes. or something um, yeah so she uh, she reckons she's, that, that Miss Dalton's having a hard enough time with Mr Collins uh, mm-hmm. as things are she's like she doesn't need you making it any worse so yeah Jessica's actually coming to somebody's defence for once which yeah. is kind of unlike her um, <laughs> but yeah I guess it's just to kind of hammer home that things are very strained between uh, between Nora and Roger mm-hmm. ever since they left Sweet Valley but, and um, that Lila has it in for her Oh, big time. Yeah, yeah. And Lila, again, is just kind of giving out about her saying, you know, if she was around your house all the time and sponging off your father. Um, so Jess is just kind of saying, look, you know, you're not going to see your dad anyway for the rest of the month. So you might as well just try and get along with her or at least try and find out what she's really mm. like. And, you know, maybe once you get to know her, you can fucking calm down. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Lila says that she sounds like goody, goody Liz, which horrifies <laughs> Jessica. It's the ultimate insult. How dare she? <laughs> Well, at lunch, Elizabeth literally has to squeeze her eyes shut to block out the image of Todd and Courtney laughing and talking as if they're the best of friends. And instead, she turns to Annie's ludicrously fancy feast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, Annie was on, was on dinner duty and she prepared a hearty cheese fondue and mixed salad, followed by a luscious chocolate fondue. <laughs> With pieces of fruit, uh, all from stuff that she'd gotten in a, a nearby grocery store. So fair play to you, Annie. But I want to know who's carrying the fucking fondue pot and all the little forks around on their back. 
this whole time. I was thinking, did the tiny tiny roadside grocery stores sell fondue sets? Who knows? We have questions, um, yeah. <laughs> so Charlie praises uh, Annie's uh, cookery skills and... Uh, Bruce is revolting and says, yeah, it's only one of her many hidden talents, he said snidely. Of course, she has one talent that every guy in Sweet Valley knows about. And Annie is clearly upset. And Charlie, the dickhead, um, he looks uncomfortable with this, but he he doesn't say anything. And Liz can see that Annie is, has overheard all this and is really upset. But of course, Liz doesn't say anything herself. Yeah, nobody actually says anything at all. Charlie just kind of goes messing around with his bike or something um, just to kind of remove himself from the situation, I guess. But like, yeah, everyone just kind of goes about their own sort of business or they kind of just break up now after having eaten. But like, yeah. it is kind of shit that nobody tells Bruce to cop on. Like, or yeah. just, just says, knock it off. Like. Yeah, or anything. Like, it's mm. just kind of let slide by with nobody kind of defending Annie, which is yeah. unfair. It is unpleasant. So uh, Liz wonders if Annie, uh, you know, is afraid because Annie clearly liked Charlie. But now mm. Liz wonders if um, uh, Charlie's poison Bruce against her. So they reach a, a peak and uh, stop to enjoy the view. And Todd embraces Liz, but she's still kind of distance. And she says that she feels like she hasn't seen him all day because, you know, he's just been helping Courtney the whole time. Todd, I mean, really, Todd, like... I don't think you have to be joined at the hip to your partner, but you should absolutely not be spending all your time on a holiday with your girlfriend with this random girl who has just turned up and is monopolizing you. Uh, true, yeah. And like, this is the thing, because when Liz tries to kind of point that out to him, he's just like, yeah, but Courtney needs a lot of help with her bike and stuff. <gasps> and Liz is just like, oh, for fuck's sake. But he's just like, well, you're not mad that I'm giving her a few pointers, are you? Uh and uh, he kind of tries to reassure her and he's like, you know, that when it comes down to it, there's only one girl on this trip for me. Um, so he's kind of reassuring. Like, and this just kind of keeps happening over and over again, where Liz kind of points out that he's spending so much time with Courtney. He reassures her that he's not interested mm. in Courtney. Yeah. He's only uh. interested in Liz. And they kind of either just drop the subject or just kind of make up and kind of forget yeah. about it. But it just kind of it just keeps happening. Like this uh. is one of many of the same conversation. <laughs> it's very, very frustrating because it is basically the same thing again and again and again mm. like it just keeps going on and on and on and <laughs> on um so we uh we're, we're we cut to uh to bruce who um has noticed barry finally arriving uh, compa- uh accompanied by mr collins and makes a mean jibe about bionic barry zooming up the hill <laughs> so jessica and lila cracked up at bruce's joke some of the other kids giggled too <laughs> Which, which kids? <laughs> who which are they? Charlie is the only one who, because we don't know much about him, mm. and he's Bruce's friend, maybe. But there's no way. The other kids are Olivia, Annie, and Roger. Yeah. Um, and I just don't believe any of them would do this. I, know. I think, to be fair, in these super editions as well, people do tend to act kind of out of character, and we do oh, get more of that with fair. Bruce later. So I think mm. we're just going to have to make our peace with it. <laughs> that no. Poor Barry is just having a tough time of things. Well, uh, the worst thing is, is that, you know, Jessica or Lila says, Bionic Barry, that's great. I hate to give you credit, Bruce, but the name fits in the li- fits the little nerd perfectly. And then Roger speaks up in Barry's defense and he says, hey, Bruce, why don't you leave the guy alone? He's trying as hard as he can and I haven't heard him complain at all, unlike some of you. And we're told, 
you tell him, Roger. <laughs> Elizabeth is uh, just softly. Oh, she doesn't say anything herself. Heaven forfend. <laughs> no, just fucking say it with your chest, Liz. Come on. <laughs> and then uh, Bruce, of course, goes, my cousin. I should have known you would stick up for the underdog. After all, you were an underdog for most of your life, weren't you? And then Charlie, thank God, finally tells Bruce to shut the fuck up. Yeah, he comes over and like puts his hand on Bruce's shoulder and just says, look, don't you think you've put down enough people today? And Bruce is kind of startled by this reaction uh, because I guess it's one thing for, what is it? Yeah, it's one thing to be at odds with Annie or Barry or Roger, but Charlie was his friend. Mm. Charlie was supposed to be on his side. And Bruce is kind of embarrassed, I think, by this yeah. turn of events. So he kind of blushes, doesn't yeah. say anything for the rest of the the kind of break that they're taking um, and just goes all quiet. So I guess, yeah, then uh, as they kind of head off to cycle again on this fucking arduous journey, Oh, uh, sounds Liz, so awful. It just, oh God. You know, some people like this kind of terrible sounding holiday, though. I don't know. It's just not funny. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Liz notices uh, Charlie and Annie are kind of chatting. So she wonders if um, if they're actually managing to, to somehow hit it off despite Bruce's efforts. Hmm. Yes. So uh, Todd tells Liz that he loves her and she says that she or she feels that the trip will be great after all because it is seriously like it's an emotional roller coaster with these two (laughs) and there's like they're happy then they're sad then they're happy then they're sad. So that later that day they arrive at a hostel and Jessica is immediately smitten by a hunk. Oh my goodness! Yes, they uh, they <laughs> they arrive at this hostel. Uh, I think they're being all being shown around, uh, and the, whoever runs it are introducing themselves. But it's all lost on Jessica because her attention had been caught by a suntanned boy with chestnut-coloured curls coming down the staircase at the far end of the hostel. Uh, he was wearing a pair of well-worn jeans and a tight black T-shirt that revealed his muscular arms. So apparently, this guy is too gorgeous for words. Um, so, but uh, before she has a chance to catch his eye he's out the door followed by another boy who apparently is like a stockier darker haired version of this guy Uh, and Jessica is smitten at first sight and kind of pokes Lila in the ribs and she's like oh my god did you see that guy but Lila's like which one they're all over the place (laughs) so there's like some kind of common room where there's kids like reading and playing cards and stuff Uh, so Lila's just like they're everywhere (laughs) we're surrounded by hot guys this is amazing (laughs) literally surrounded by hunks Mm. It's uh, it's quite something. <laughs> so they um, they uh, they the hostel sounds kind of nice. I think like oh, it sounds it quite chill. There's like a common room. Everybody can just sort of hang out. Um, and uh, as they check everybody out, Bruce notices them, and um. Jessica says, "Can Bruce, you're not so pure and innocent yourself. You like to girl watch as mu- every bit as much as we like to boy watch." Yes, and Jessica says, uh, "Take that blonde over by the window, for instance." Um, so Bruce looks over at this girl and says, "For once, you're right, Jessica. I think I will take her," which Ooh. sounds ominous. <laughs> it does. It sounds a bit deadus. A little bit. Oh God. <laughs> well, uh, we get a reminder of the fact that Bruce and Jessica have a bit of a, you know 
love enemies to lovers back to enemies <laughs> again <laughs> five um and uh we then we we find out that lila and courtney are on cooking duty and jessica sees courtney's nice girl act briefly drop at the uh at the thought of work. Now, I'd be losing my nice girl act if I, when I heard the official hours of this place because the, the I guess the hostel keeper says mm. to them that their curfew is 11.30 and the wake-up time is half seven in the morning. What, like, why? Why is there a wake-up time? It's a hostel. Let people sleep in if they want. <laughs> Jesus. I mean, do they have to check out at like eight? They do say that they have to be out by nine. So I guess it's like a nine o'clock checkout. But still, mm-hmm. how's their wake up time? Like, you have your checkout time, Grant. What, is she literally going around banging pots and pans at half seven in the morning? Like, oh, what's going on here? Is. Oh, sounds <laughs> tough. Yeah. So uh, later on, Lila and Jessica hang out in the common room, uh, which does sound very pleasant. Hmm. Um, hang out with some of these other kids who are also, you know, doing the sort of summer hitchhiking trail. Um and Jessica just, all she's interested in is finding out the identity of the mystery hunk. And she finds it. His name is Robbie October. I just, I'm obsessed with this name. It's just, it sounds so much like that thing uh, where like someone's trying to make up a name on the spot and they're like looking around the room for ideas. So they're just like, Robbie, they see a calendar. October. <laughs> and now they just have to stick with it. <laughs> Like, it's such a hilariously fake-sounding name. I just love it so much. <laughs> Robbie and his brother, Daddy October. Get out of here. <laughs> so apparently they're famed on the hostel circuit. Uh, because <laughs> they're always getting into trouble on the road. They, was too, they, threw, uh, they threw beer bottles out the window. And then they came back after curfew and had to climb in another window. So all their adventures are window-related, I suppose. I guess. And uh, this intrigues Jessica even more. And she finds out that the the brothers are also he- heading northwards up the coast. So she hopes they'll see each other again. Mm. <laughs> then we cut to Courtney's letter to Nolan. And it is fucking hilarious. Oh, just, my God. The ghostwriter is loving this. She's cackling while writing this. Both the ghostwriter <laughs> and Courtney, I feel like. Because it is that very, like... Again, like a villain's kind of soliloquy. It's just that it's it's in a letter because she would look deranged saying all this out loud to herself <laughs> in an empty room or under her breath. But yeah, she's writing her letter to Nolan uh, and she's saying her Dearest plans. Dearest Nolan. Oh, Dearest Nolan, no less. Yes, she's holding her breath until she sees him again. She oh. says her plan is off to a good start. Uh, so it shouldn't be much more than a week, but even that is too long. So she's just given out about how much work this stupid holiday is. She says it's more like a boot camp. It's all work, work, work and bicycle and more work and shopping and cooking and cleaning and uh, she calls the hostel a two-bit joke of a place. (laughs) She's most unimpressed at all this work she has to do Uh, and the fact that she has to put a sickeningly sweet smile on her face the whole time. So uh, yeah she she kind of says yeah already most of the little dears are warming up to me. (laughs) Um, And she says one in particular is going to make her whole plan possible so she then reveals, hilariously, in this letter, uh, that his name is Todd and he's just the kind of boy you can bring home to meet Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what she's going to do. 
oh this is it because apparently Mr. Thomas was very taken by Todd and thought he was a perfect gentleman so oh. uh, so I nearly called her Suzanne uh, oh, yeah. I was thinking of the same <laughs> so could these these brunette vixens <laughs> turning up here <laughs> acting like Jessica but being villains for some reason yeah. <laughs> even though they're doing the exact same mm. thing she always does <laughs> Um, yeah, so he, he was so taken with Todd that she reckons Todd is her ticket off this stupid trip. Uh, so she reckons that she has to, if she has Todd by her side, she'll be able to convince her dad to let her to come home early because she'll clearly have changed her ways if she's now seeing someone as clean cut and wholesome as mm. old Wizard Wilkins. Um, so, yeah, but then she reveals that the only hitch in her plan so far is Todd's girlfriend, Elizabeth, a shoe in for Miss Teenage America, if I ever saw. <laughs> oh, Liz would be so insulted by that. She hates pageants. No, if only Courtney knew. Elizabeth <laughs> Newman. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, so she just kind of details her whole plan, basically, mm. which is to break up Liz and Todd. Um, and uh, she's going to start telling Todd all these. Yeah, she calls Todd Mr. Sympathy. She said he's going to be defenseless against the carefully made up stories I intend to start telling him. So yes. all about, uh, yeah, she's going to make up a bunch of shit anyway <laughs> to uh, to get Todd on side. And she says that even without the story, she can detect a note of tension between the precious lovebirds. <laughs> so she knows that Elizabeth doesn't trust her and says, which is just as it should be, because when Todd realises how unfeeling she is towards me, he's going to start wondering if she really is Miss Perfect after all. That's when I move in for the kill. Oh, my God. <laughs> the drama. <laughs> Oh, so yes, she's she's got a plan and it's villainous to the very end. It is hilarious. Um, I do think the fact the, the fact she ends it with the uh, party extra hard for the both of us, kisses and more. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> she's a bad girl. <laughs> she really is. And she's very, very entertaining. <laughs> So, uh, apparently the dinner that night well, that um, Courtney and Lila were meant to be making was so bad they had to order pizza. Um, and Lila is bitching about Courtney and what a pain in the arse and how unhelpful she is. But Jessica is just ignoring her because she's looking out for Robbie October. And she's even more enraged when she discovers that Je Lila has a date with some guy wearing a bandana. She's going to go for a walk with him after dinner. Uh, while Jessica's stuck home alone. Um, and when they go to bed that night in the dorm, Courtney is the centre of attention and everybody <laughs> loves her now and she, Jessica bitches to Liz about her and can't believe Liz isn't more mad about Todd. Um, and Liz's like, oh, I trust Todd. We're very stable. <laughs> um, but Jessica's like, well, me and Lila will take care of Courtney. And she thinks that she'll also take care of Robbie October. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, she says she has a plan for Robbie October. Um, that uh, maybe he'd slipped away from her this time, but it wouldn't happen again. Jesus, run, Robbie October is all I'll say. <laughs> I also like the fact he is always referred to by his full name, Robbie October. It's fantastic. I love it. It's delightful. <laughs> so uh, we cut to the next day, and everyone's dancing to the Jackson Five. It begins with ABC. Easy as one, two, three. And we're told that Liz and Todd are dancing energetically, turning and jumping to the beach. And next to them, Jessica is whirling around. 
It's Mr. Collins. Oh my God. I, it's Mr. Collins dancing to the Jackson 5. What more <laughs> could we possibly want from a scene in this book? Oh my God. It's just ridiculous. It's like the other kids are downing ice cold Cokes and tapping their feet to the beat. And it's very like, is this a 1960s ad for Coke? Like what is happening? <laughs> They also use a lot of brand names in this book. That's true, actually. We already had like Disneyland and, and Perrier, Perrier yeah. and Coke. Yeah, a lot of um, More than they brand do. recognition going on here. So uh, they're on their way to Santa Barbara, where they're going to stay for three days. And uh, it's all good vibes all around. Charlie and Annie hit the dance floor. But then <laughs> Courtney makes a <laughs> <laughs> sexy play for Todd uh, and we're told Elizabeth couldn't blame Todd for standing transfixed as Courtney sashayed up to him swirled her long silky scarf around his arm and pulled him towards her oh my god this is fantastic like <laughs> stunning work from Courtney here I mean A plus villainess because what the fuck is she doing <laughs> and Todd just sort of looks at Liz and like shrugs sheepishly because he's like obviously he can't resist because she's I don't know tied him up in her sexy <laughs> car <laughs> oh god so uh, Liz is not in uh, is not feeling great and then sees Barry ask Jessica to dance uh, and of course she turns him down extremely rudely she could oh, even on the other side of the room Liz could hear her sister's laugh of scorn Jesus like ouch you just know she did it in the most dickish way possible oh my god of course she did and uh, she sees Lila and Jess huddled together and she's worried about you know them plotting something on Barry <laughs> but then realises that Courtney is their target and she's about to warn Courtney why <laughs> like for what reason um yeah, because she 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 was about to stick up for Barry. Like, didn't Courtney deserve the same? And like, no, no, she does not. Um, but yeah, she then hears Courtney <laughs> gushing to Todd. She's like, oh, you sweet Valley boys really know how to dance. Uh, and Todd replies, oh, because we take lessons from the sweet Valley girls. But uh, and then Liz is like, oh, okay, that's fine. He's still kind of talking about me. But then Todd keeps going, and he's like, although I dare say we could all take a few lessons from you. And uh, yeah. Liz is just like oh fuck this Courtney doesn't need any help from me anyway <laughs> so she decides to say nothing and uh, yeah I wonder if, uh, if like, she was ready for a challenging adventure but uh, she didn't know if she was ready for Courtney Thomas if she's going to be the biggest test of this relationship the entire trip my favourite part of this scene is uh, Elizabeth's responses because when Courtney praises Sweet Valley Boys that uh, their dancing skills we're told Elizabeth frowned her fists clenched <laughs> and then Todd says we take lessons from the Sweet Valley girls and then we're told the frown melted into a smile <laughs> and then Courtney or Todd says the way, you know the bit about I dare say you could take a few lessons yeah. from you I'm told the smile disappeared so <laughs> just imagining this being like Oh my god, just cartoonishly like mugging away in the corner. Like, is she okay? <laughs> Fists clenched. <laughs> well, that night, Lila, Jessica, and Liz are sharing a sleeping bag. My notes just say, why hasn't Courtney bought her own tent? Um, because it's their turn to be three in a bed or three in a tent while yes. Courtney and Liz Dalton share um share a tent. And then they hear Miss Dalton scream. Yeah, there's a shriek uh, and they all kind of run out because they're just like, oh, my God, what's going on? Uh, and Mr. Collins is, of course, very 
oh, Mr. Collins, clad only in a pair of shorts, by the way, oh, um, <laughs> rushes to the tent um, and asks if she's OK. Uh, and again, like Elizabeth noticed his voice overflowed with concern because she just cannot help being in everybody's business. Um, <laughs> oh. But yeah, uh, Nora comes out of the tent and has this like small bag in her hand and she's like mm. this horrible mess was in the bottom of my sleeping bag and then like hilariously like Liz is outside of her tent and inside as she can hear Jess and Lila um, rowing with each other she's like she heard her twin utter a string of curses which means you blew it Fowler <laughs> just like cried angrily how did that happen and like you know if you're talking inside a tent everybody can fucking hear you it's literally material between you and everybody else so the pair of them are bickering over Lila fucking up their scheme um, while while Roger's kind of trying to figure out what's going on here so he um he checks out the bag that uh, Ms. Dalton found and he starts laughing and yep. she doesn't take it very well no she does not because uh um she says I'm glad you find this so funny Roger and Mr. Collins we're told is instantly contrite and he starts to say no it's not that Nora it's just just that you love seeing me humiliated <laughs> and we're told Miss Dalton's seething words rang out across the t- the uh, campsite we're told the ugliness between the two teachers was as clear as the bright quarter moon in the sky Oh my god, the drama! Like, also, you two are meant to be professionals here. Like, I can you know. please put a lid on it and cop onto I mean, yourselves in front of the children? To, in fairness to Mister Collins, he is trying. He's keeping his cool. Mister Dalton, yeah. who's like, "Oh, you just can't bear to see me happy." Um, <laughs> but uh, Mister Collins reveals that this bag of weird crap in the sleeping bag was just a lime jello hmm. and uh when miss dalton realizes the truth she apologizes and laughs too and um they have a, a sort of a, a funny you know it's almost okay uh between them and she hel- holds her hands out towards him and he reaches out as uh towards her and we're told for the briefest moment Elizabeth saw a glimmer of tenderness between the two teachers fighting to surface in a sea of tension oh my God. but the second their fingers met they both pulled away as if they'd touched red hot coals fucking hell it's so overwrought like it's so amazing I love it <laughs> um, so uh, then they there's an awkward moment and Mr. Collins says gruffly you'll be alright and then tells the gang there's no place for tricks on this um on this trip. Mm. So Lila swears to Jessica that she made a mistake and she meant to put it in Courtney's bag, but Jessica isn't sure. And they, they're outraged that Liz doesn't appreciate the fact that they were doing it all for her. And <laughs> Liz is like, you don't have to worry about me. Todd is loyal. And they're just like, yeah, right. <laughs> Liz starts crying. <sighs> oh, Jesus. Like, it's, yeah. It's, really? This is what sets you off crying. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, this is the thing. Because, yeah, I suppose they're they're kind of taking the piss out of Todd. Uh, oh, just being friendly. And mm. Lila's kind of like, oh, I wouldn't mind a few tall, handsome friends like that. Um, so they're all kind of joking and laughing. But, yeah, as you say, Liz starts fucking crying. And then Jess kind of, in fairness to her, she just she does stop laughing immediately. And she's like, no, oh, God, don't cry. We're only trying to help you. Um, tries to kind of, you know, reassure her and calm her down a bit. But, um. Yeah, Liz is just kind of like, okay, let's not fight anymore. And they kind of just go to sleep. Yeah. And that's the end of it. So it's weird yeah. that Liz kind of burst into tears there, really. Cause yeah, it, it really, really seems overdramatic. Yeah, really does, yeah. Um, so the next day, Mr. Collins calls a meeting to discuss what everyone's calling the Jello incident. <laughs> 
So he says it could have just, if it had burst in the in her sleeping bag, it would have totally wrecked it. And uh, Lila looks away because she just has no poker face whatsoever. Mm. And after the meet, this this meeting, um, Mr. Collins calls her over and Jessica sees him giving out to Lila and is shocked because uh, apparently Mr. Collins is always so level-headed. Um, so she doesn't think that he'd be, you know, loses his temper um, mm. giving out to somebody in the party when there's no proof that it, Lila did anything yeah and lila comes over to jessica and is angry that she didn't you know say that she this was part of her scheme and um jessica's like i mean the the fighting between jessica and lila is actually confusing it's so contrived like <laughs> true yeah because they do kind of fall out here now because i suppose lila's annoyed that jessica kind of hung her out to dry or at least didn't come and help her because I guess it was obvious that she was in trouble with Mr. Collins in that conversation but Jess is like well how was I supposed to know that's what was happening Um, and um, after this conversation Lila's sort of like team Courtney mm. for no real reason like it's it's just uh, I mean it's it's more contrivance basically and more drama for drama's sake yeah Um, and uh, Jessica points out like basically uh, Lila says to Jessica like you're pretending you're doing this for Liz for Liz because Courtney's got a Ryan Todd but really you don't like having another you know bombshell on the mm-hmm. and the gag and Jessica's like well basically you don't like having somebody else who's dripping with diamonds so uh, Lila basically agrees to continue supporting Jessica's half-arsed reign of terror <laughs> true yeah so they do they do kind of make up but I suppose yeah there's this kind of elements of, of tension here now between the two of them well the next day in Santa Barbara everything's magical as the gang feast on paella and uh, Charlie and Annie are getting on well. Lila and Jess are in good humour. Uh, Jessica even lets Barry sit next to her. Um, we're very kind of her. All is good with Todd. And uh, you realise that one of the main reasons everything's cool is because Courtney bailed on dinner saying she had a headache. Um, <laughs> and in fact, the vibes are so good that when Bruce is being like, you know, when uh, Roger says, this is all the comforts you could ever watch or whatever want. And Bruce makes a jibe at his cousin's humble beginnings and says, if you're not used to much. And we're told Roger stood his ground in his own genial way. And he jokingly says, come on now, to Bruce. Is that any way to talk to your blood kin? Besides, I think that underneath the tough act, you're as satisfied this minute as the rest of us. And we're told... I think Roger may have a point there. Mr. Collins smiled, his boyish smile, which had triggered so many schoolgirl crushes at Sweet Valley High. Oh, God. Right, right. <laughs> but a tiny sheepish grin pulls at the corner of Bruce's mouth and he, and he admits it isn't the worst evening he's ever had. And everybody applauses him, applauds him. And Liz raises a toast to Santa Barbara and more evenings when even Bruce is a happy guy. <laughs> so they'll toast by trippers paradise and it's good vibes all around yeah but mr collins is worried oh no <laughs> yeah he reckons he's got a real kind of bad feeling about things and reckons that uh that their lovely dinner in santa barbara is just the calm before the storm mm. uh so he reckons that courtney has been too good to be true since they left la uh he said he was grateful for it certainly but he had a feeling that this new courtney might vanish like a puff of smoke mm. um at any at any moment uh because he's just never seen like obviously he's been a teacher for some time now yeah. he's never seen a kid pull a turnaround like this so quickly um so he just doesn't trust the sudden change in her um and he's right 
It's so. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but he realizes most of the kids seem to feel the change in Courtney was uh, her insurance for a good trip, that if she's nice, people will be nice to her. But again, he's just he's not quite sold uh, on this this new attitude. And yeah. Uh, yeah. And then he kind of he wonders as well why about this kind of story that she's concocted about why her dad sent her on the trip in the first place, because she kind of said that he had been she'd been sent on the trip to toughen up. Yeah, that's what she's told all the rest of the gang. Mm, yeah, so he's wondering like how this kind of girl who seemed so like wisecracking and all the rest would real would feel embarrassed at the true reason, or mm. was there another motive? Um, but again, like in fairness to Courtney, like would she actually tell people it's because I'm such an asshole that my dad is sending me on this yeah. trip? Like, what else? Of course, she's going to make something up, like to make herself look a bit better, I suppose. But I guess Mr. Collins is kind of a responsible adult, that's true. what he said. Yes. Um, because um, when they go back to this, he knows that she lied about having a headache. Like, yeah. It was very obvious and mm. when they get back to the site she's not there the campsite and the, he like looks around the, the neighbourhood and a local shopkeeper said she went and she used the phone and when she comes back she's like oh I just went for a walk and I wanted to bring my dad and Roger's like eh, okay mm. and he's also in fair play to him he's worried about Barry yeah. um, because he's keeping an eye on him but uh, apparently things are getting uh, are, are not getting easier for the awkward heavy set boy and Bruce Patman's quips were getting harder and harder for him to take and we're told and Bruce's comments had spawned an unofficial competition among some of the others to match his caustic wit who? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> so Mr. Collins feels bad. Like apparently in fairness to him, he has had a word with Bruce about being mean to Barry, but mm. it's obviously not really doing anything. And Bruce is also being rude to Roger. And uh, he can see that just there, there's just, you know, there's a lot going on in this group. But even though he's trying to do his best by his charges, his, his heart isn't in it. And we learn that his heart hasn't been in anything since Norma <laughs> went back to dating George Fowler. Oh, my God. Yes, apparently that's an even bigger mystery than Courtney's sudden turnaround. So apparently when they broke up, it was kind of without any explanation from yeah, Ms. Dalton. Out of so the blue. Yeah, so he's very confused uh, by this whole situation. <laughs> and uh, and he just, ever since this kind of breakup, he couldn't figure out how he feels about her. Fury, sorrow, <laughs> affection, confusion, and every other feeling he had ever known seemed to alternately ebb and flow <laughs> inside him, creating clashing tides of emotion. Oh, my <laughs> God, Roger. Yes. <laughs> the melodrama is oh. off the charts <laughs> oh it's amazing I also like the idea it's like every feeling you'd ever know like amusement <laughs> big discomfort <laughs> horniness yeah. well that's definitely in there somewhere <laughs> so he decides he just needs to just like she's made her choice he's got to get her out of his system so he can be his usual level headed self because he mm. also thinks like he did you know, he didn't have proof that Lila had done anything, even though she actually was the right, you know, she was the culprit. Um, so he, he is aware that, like, that's, he sort of let himself down, basically, yeah. as far as he's yeah. concerned. So Liz and Todd are cavorting in the water, but he spoils it all by saying, oh, I wish Courtney wasn't missing out on this. And <laughs> Why are you saying this to your girlfriend, Todd? He is, he's such a dumbass, like, because they are having a nice moment together and, like, messing around and swimming and running in from the lake or, you know, whatever they're at. Yeah. And it all sounds very idyllic and nice. And, yeah, for some stupid reason, he brings up Courtney. And, of course, that puts an absolute dampener on the whole thing. And Liz is like, why the fuck can't he stop thinking about her for even one evening? I mean, um, 
Fair so enough. like absolutely fair. So she gets all kind of cold. Um, and again, they have another stupid row, uh, which is, again, the same thing as usual, that Liz is kind of like, why are you being so friendly to Courtney? He's like, we're just friends. There's nothing more to it. She needs help. Uh, why aren't you being nicer to Courtney? The same kind of back and forth as we've already had like two or three times yeah. now. Oh, it's so it just goes on and on and on. Yeah. Um, pointless argument ensues, as my mm. notes say. Yep. <laughs> and um, yeah, she, like she thinks Courtney is playing him, and she's right. But then he reveals the supposed real reason that Courtney's on this trip, and it's this pack of lies. Oh my God, she's so brazen. Yeah. So he reveals that Courtney broke down the other night and confessed yeah. it all to him. That apparently uh, her dad, Mr. Thomas, has a terrible drinking problem, uh, and that uh, you know it might not look that way. But he drinks in secret, alone, and has done for years. Uh, so he's saying, you know, she's had a heck of a time growing up alone with an alcoholic father. Um, and that all of, like, Mr. Thomas's affection for Courtney, like, when they met him first, was all just for show. Uh, and that the, the real Steve Thomas only has two loves, his business and his booze. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, he basically walked around with his hair as so he could just, like, booze alone in his mansion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Liz is shocked and she's not totally convinced because like they spent three days in his house and he looked pretty together. Um, yeah. I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean anything, but... True, uh, yeah. Um, a ridiculous fight ensues um, mm-hmm. where, bas- I mean, again, where basically Todd ends up calling Liz. He is fucking ridiculous. He calls Liz uncompassionate and spiteful. And Liz actually bursts... I mean, this is one occasion where she, it's fair enough that she bursts into tears because... Todd is basically saying that, uh, you know, you're this girl who I've literally met two days ago is more important to me than you are. And then she says she's as bad as her sister. And that's like, <laughs> even uh, that's when, when Liz says, you know, Jessica would, isn't, um, Jessica is the good Samaritan in comparison to Courtney. And the idea of Jessica actually being good is uh, too much for both of them. They start laughing. <laughs> They do, yeah. They end up just kind of bonding over what a dickhead Jessica is, basically. <laughs> I mean, that makes sense. But I do not think that you could go from, like, if your partner called you spiteful mm. and uncompassionate, like, that's very harsh. Mm. No, things properly got kind of heated there between them. And then they do just kind of diffuse the whole thing by doing a little skit about Super Jess rescuing people on her bike. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not very convincing because they were having a proper fucking row. A nasty uh, row. Yeah. And it was, yeah, it was not pretty. But they do kind of make up then again and again it's kind of it's none of it's really resolved it's just no. like you don't really think I'm uncompassionate and spiteful and he's like no no I didn't mean that and I don't want to fight mm. uh you know let's not let her get between us and again you know they kind of kiss and make up but again Liz is still unconvinced no. and uneasy because she doesn't trust Courtney and mm. why would she <laughs> and she thinks it won't be the last row they have about Courtney mm. and again she's right mm-hmm. So Jessica is writing to Cara, uh, who's off in Oregon, I think, isn't she? Yeah, she's a she's being a counsellor in a mm. camp, in a summer camp, and she basically spends most of her letter bitching about Barry and Courtney. Yeah, blue prick. Pretty much. Yeah, that's. Uh, yep, that is almost the entire letter, just yeah. about how annoying they both are. Although there is a hilarious bit when she's kind of mid rant about Courtney, where she says, "What's absolutely incredible is that all she has to do is toss her mane of hair and smile, and everyone buys her act, especially <laughs> boys." And it's like that is literally you, Jessica. <laughs> like you are describing Kettle. yourself here. <laughs> yeah. Um. So she sees through Courtney's, uh, you know, Todd. Uh, hmm. 
seducing. And she finally talks about uh, Robbie October and sort of implies that there's actually something going on with them. Like, it says, it's, she uh, says, I saved the best news, the absolute best news for last. His name is Robbie October. He's got curly chestnut brown hair and the most incredible body. Cara, if you saw him, you'd be totally in love too. He and his brother are cycling along the coast, so we'll definitely be seeing a lot of each other. Maybe you'll even see him visiting me back in Sweet Valley after the summer. We're told she didn't bother to tell Cara she hadn't really met Robbie yet. She literally hasn't exchanged a word with him. He hasn't even looked at her yet. Like, they didn't even make eye contact. Even that bar hasn't been met. Like, they're... There's literally nothing here to tell, but uh, but oh. yeah, she basically makes it sound like this is her new boyfriend on yes. her bike trip. Um, so Party yeah, she never far from her thoughts. I guess she's fully obsessed and just constantly on high alert for any yeah. sight or sound of <laughs> Robbie October. <laughs> <laughs> well, later Jessica's on cooking duty, uh, making burgers with Bruce, but Lila drags her away, and uh, there's a this is a great bit where um. Jessica says to her that Bruce is as bad as the kitchen in the kitchen as Lila is and says, what do you people do with the servant's night off anyway? Lila looked Jessica straight in the eye. Cold lobster and caviar, she said earnestly. <laughs> so like that is just a top tier Lila bullshit kind of, oh, you magnificent <laughs> rich bitch. <laughs> So uh, apparently they told, they've already told Courtney that this, um, that this camp place is haunted, but now Lila won't go through with sort of spooky shenanigans. Mm. Yeah, they had a whole scheme in place where they were going to to try and make a fool out of Courtney and like freak her out while she was asleep, like blowing across her face in the middle of the night and scratching at the window, all mm. this kind of thing. Um, but yeah, Lila wants out of the plan now and Jessica is enraged by this uh so she can't possibly pull all this off by herself she's like i'll look like a fool if we don't go through with the plan because she's been planting all these stories uh in courtney's head but um yeah lila or lila tries to to convince jess that she might change her mind if she if she knew more about courtney or knew her better yes and she tells her about courtney's allegedly terrible life as the child of an alcoholic father and jessica isn't convinced but then she's distracted by the sight of robbie october and she has a scheme and it's an oldie but a goodie. She rushes up to him and says, Bart, Bart Templeton, which is the most hilariously waspy name ever. It's so good. Bart Templeton. Like, my goodness. It sounds even faker than Robbie October somehow. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, you got the wrong guy. And Jessica pulls back, but not before she'd given herself a long, hard hug. Basically feeling him up. Oh, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> Shameless. <laughs> so uh, it doesn't really work because Robbie says he's heading off to a good bar in the next town over. And um, when he hears that Jessica's with a group, um, he's really disdainful because, like, that's, you know, going around with your little brother is way cooler, Robbie October. Oh, my God, it's so funny. Yeah, because he kind of goes on about how, you know, oh, it's such a drag being in a group trip because, you know, there's so many rules and chores and people looking over your shoulder. He's like... Yeah, because he's so cool on his fucking bike trip up the California coast with his brother. What a fucking hellraiser. Like, reel it in, Robbie. (laughs) Well, Jessica flirts ineptly with him and says she could do whatever she wants. She could go to the bar with him right now. And he's like, is that uh, right now with a total stranger? And she's 
Her lips are only inches from his. And she says, is that an invitation? And Robbie arches an eyebrow and says, that's what you wanted, wasn't it? <laughs> and like her heart is beating crazily. But then Bruce <laughs> sticks his over in and says, Jessica, can't you save your enchantress act until after dinner? The hamburgers are burning. And... Uh, <laughs> I just love this so much from Bruce that it's like someone calling Jessica out in the moment when she's usually getting away with this kind of shit. And Bruce is just like, would you knock it off and give me a hand here? It's great. I would chop some onions. Yeah. So Robbie leaves saying like, could have had fun if she didn't have to deal with that whole group scene. <laughs> and uh, Jessica's rage, but so is Bruce because the burgers are burnt and says it's oh. Jessica's fault for throwing herself at a boy who doesn't care. Oh, harsh <laughs> but fair. True. And uh, Jessica's like, oh, that's true. And uh, she actually feels terrible and sits and looks really sad and actually says, why me? I blew it with them. I made a total fool of myself. And Lila and Bruce are just looking at each other <laughs> in credulous glances, we're told. And I do love this because uh, Bruce is like, uh, hey, uh, you know, come on, Jessica. Like, where's your Jessica Wakefield fighting spirit? And I kind of love that he just enjoys getting you know her giving as good as she gets but when she doesn't give it he's yeah. uh, just like oh shit no this isn't fun yeah he's like oh no now i just feel bad for you like where, where's the because yeah what, what is it that he says exactly it's like yeah where's where's the jessica wakefield fighting spirit we all love to hate and it's so <laughs> unlike bruce to go kind of soft like this but it's like it's kind of out of character but it's really enjoyable it is very funny <laughs> Um, so Lila and Jessica are both nice to her, but uh, doesn't cheer Jessica up because she feels she's lost Robbie October forever. No. <laughs> so later in the common room, Lila is earwigging on a group of hunks. They're all just talking about racing bikes and she gets into conversation with them. And uh, one of them says she recognizes, he thinks he recognizes their one of their uh, group leaders, says the pretty black haired woman. And Lila's like, <laughs> hissing at them. But uh, they say she looks a lot like their old uh, teacher in Arizona, Beth Curtis, who disappeared a year and a half ago around the time that Miss Dalton arrived at Sweet Valley High. Oh, my God. <laughs> Lila feels every muscle in her body tense up um, and she realises that uh, that she doesn't really know much at all about Miss Dalton and uh, wonders if this chance meeting is the key to, to her mysterious <gasps> past. So she yes. she asks the guys, uh, so what did this Beth Curtis teach? And when they say French, like Lila literally gasps. Um, so she suddenly realises that uh, there was, there's more at stake than just a boy with a cute face here. So she's <gasps> going to do some digging and reckons there'll be plenty of good looking boys to get to know. But right now she's uh, she's digging for gold and says to <laughs> this guy, Pat, she's like, what else do you know about Beth Curtis? <laughs> <laughs> day the gang decides to make their next unscheduled night because some of their their nights are booked in and then they've mm. left space in their schedule for these what they call phantom stops where they're just gonna like go where the wind takes them mm. and uh they want to there's apparently it's this place called lompoc there's loads of flower gardens we get like three page descriptions of flower gardens and <laughs> you don't need to hear about a flower farm you don't need to hear about mm, this yeah. makes mr collins reminisce about his wild youth in columbia I mean, Columbia, I, the university, not the oh, uh, yeah, yeah. country of <laughs> Columbia. Oh, God. Yeah, he kind of bangs on about... Uh, yeah, apparently he tells them these stories sometimes. With, oh, yeah, my God. About wild fraternity parties. It's like, <laughs> not sure how appropriate that is, Roger. <laughs> it's in with my image of him as well. 
as yeah. sort of a frat boy. No, that's the thing. Uh, yeah, it's that, that campus demonstrations. It's like, yeah. yeah, okay, I can see that. And nights out in the big city. And it's like, again, should you be telling your teen charges about this? Um, it's like your days in Studio 54. Yeah. Like, this is <laughs> off his face on coke. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but he uh, he he tells them all about this time that uh, he went on a coast to coast trip with his friend and the beat up old white car. But um, the car had, they were in some really scenic part of the country, but the car broke down and they ended up having to like just knock around a bunch of houses to see if they could mm. uh, figure out somewhere to stay for the night. So they ended up staying on some farm in a barn where some really nice old man uh, sorted them out for a couple of nights while the, the car was being repaired and they bailed some hay for this man yes. uh, in return. So. Liz is kind of enraptured by this romantic notion of uh, sleeping in a barn for some reason. <laughs> but she's really uh, enthused about getting to wake up to all this because they're surrounded by flower fields and all the Which rest. It does sound so nice. It does sound very nice. Yeah. So they're going to have a go at seeking. They find a barn mm. to sleep in basically for the night or some friendly farmer will take them in. Well, it turns out they do. Uh, except um, she doesn't. T- it's a she. This woman uh, doesn't have a barn, but she doesn't no. have a greenhouse, which is like a really ill-advised place to stay in California in the summer. <laughs> Summer, it's California. You were in a greenhouse. You were all going to be cooked alive. I don't know how they thought this was a good idea because it sounds fucking nightmarish. I mean, a tent in the heat is one thing. A fucking greenhouse. Is she trying to kill them all? (laughs) Oh, well, maybe. That'd be be another super thriller. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, Jesus. I'm very suspicious of this Mrs. Ames. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, she's not even making them do any work for her. Mm. Mm. So they set themselves up. Uh, they get a campfire going. Olivia's singing Blowing in the Wind. <laughs> of course she is. But also, I want to know, has Olivia been cycling this whole time with a fucking guitar on her back? Apparently she has. Because <laughs> like Annie's there with the fondue set. Olivia's got the guitar. It's like, who's carrying all the tents, lads? <laughs> we are told she has her guitar. So yes, uh, she's done. Oh my God. I mean, and we were giving out to Jessica for, you know, packing silk pants <laughs> um, she wasn't the only impractical traveler mm-hmm. so uh lila takes miss dalton aside and <laughs> so heavy-handed but it's so funny um so like miss dalton's like you don't you're not enjoying olivia's singing and um lila delights in miss dalton's slightly nervous demeanor and says no i like new music i can't be bothered with anything that's more than oh say a year and a half old <laughs> It's so pointed. It's hilarious. But like an expression of fear flitted across Nora Dalton's face. And uh, yeah, she's like, or Lila kind of carries, carries, oh no, sorry, this is Nora then saying, yeah, there's something to be said for oldies but goodies too, wouldn't you say? And Lila's like, I'd say that I really expected you of all people to be awfully keen on burying the past. (laughs) So Lila is looking, or Ms. Dalton is looking stunned and Lila doesn't take her eyes off her and says, do you long for the past or do you want to forget about it? And Ms. Dalton's bottom lip begins to tremble and she wraps her arms around herself and in barely more than a whisper, she says, what are you trying to say? And we told that Lila, with an ominous tone, makes it known that she's not simply making conversation. She says, I'm trying to say that you meet all kinds of interesting people on these trips. In fact, I met someone who knows you. But funny, he seemed to think your name was... She paused for effect. (laughs) Beth Curtis! (laughs) Minora Dalton's strangled gasp was all the proof she needed. And a slow, sly smile spread across Lila's face. 
Oh my god! Like it's hilarious. I love that all this is happening just kind of off to the side of the rest of the group as well as they're all about to be cooked alive in a greenhouse. Uh, well, Olivia's singing, singing uh, many roads, <laughs> <in> the <laughs> reverberating around the glass panes, like <laughs> so funny. But again, the drama is just so fucking amped up with every conversation. Oh, it's so, so funny. Well, later that night, oh, we can skim this one as well. We're in the greenhouse. I mean, mm. we're has had the sun shining on us all day, so I just got hot thinking about it. Uh, Liz wakes up to the sound of crying, and it's Courtney. And Liz feels sorry for her, because, like, as you would if you heard somebody crying mm. in the night. But then he hears Todd comfort her. And uh, Courtney's like, oh, the nightmare. Oh, the daddy. Oh. And Liz feels uh, even more guilty. Uh, but then she looks over and sees Todd and Courtney are ho- holding hands. She cries herself to sleep on her sweatshirt, but she is oh. using it as a pillow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this night sounds really grim. Sleeping in a fucking greenhouse, using your sweatshirt as a pillow. Just, oh God. Oh. And yeah, fucking Todd, like ridiculous. So yeah, he's holding hands with Courtney. And when we know that literally all they do is boyfriend and girlfriend in this town is either hold hands or kiss. <gasps> I mean. Oh, he might <laughs> as well be. He might as well have fucking ridden her in plain sight. <laughs> <laughs> Well, they all survive the night in the greenhouse and the next morning, the farmer gives them all breakfast, but Jessica's in a bad mood and she's washing up with Barry and he's trying to be, you know, friendly and then she do- he does something pathetically. This is a bit tragic. He's mm. like, Jessica, why won't you just let me be your friend? Which is like really not very endearing. No. Smacks of desperation, but she snaps at him and uh, basically tells him to fuck off and she almost feels guilty but not quite because she is incapable of feeling human emotions like guilt. <laughs> and um, she watches him waddle away, we're told. Oh, Christ. Uh, but she can't get over her failure with Barry because she basically means she's she's strike two at this stage and, you know, strike three mm. and she's out. <laughs> so she this is the, the pointless arguments with Lila, which are almost confusing because they just seem to escalate for no real reason. She takes out her bad mood on Lila. She accuses her of sucking up to Courtney. Um, but there's no evidence that Lila is doing this. And this feels like, you know, in a film where or a TV series where you realise a whole scene has been cut and what's left <laughs> doesn't really make sense. Because she keeps saying, like, you're such great friends with Courtney now, but we don't see it ever true yeah there's no mention of that at all but like yeah as you say Jessica's really snapping at Lila now saying oh I saw you all buddy buddy with Courtney last night and again it's like wait when what yeah but and and then yeah so obviously it's like scene missing but uh basically Lila is kind of coming to Courtney's defense so they just kind of bicker at each other and yeah they're just kind of it's just the day is kind of just going from bad to worse for Jessica well, then it gets weird because um, it's Lila's turn to carry all the heavy pots and pans. I guess maybe that includes the fondue kit. <laughs> but she's like, no, it's Miss Dalton's turn. And Jessica's like, no, it's definitely yours. But um, Lila then says loudly as the teacher walks by, isn't that right? And Miss Dalton's like, oh, Lila, did you say something to me? <laughs> and Jessica sa- or Lila says, I was just telling Jessica it's your day to carry the pots, Miss Dalton. <laughs> and we're told the way she spoke that name sent a little shiver of electricity up Jessica's spine, as if the words were low-charged with some hidden meaning. Then Miss Dalton lowers her gaze to the ground and whispers, I guess you're right. Oh. <laughs> like you let yourself be bullied by a child here, Nora. Come on. Oh. 
<laughs> so Jessica's mystified as she sees a sort of a cowed Ms. Dalton <clears throat> load up her saddlebags with pots. And then Mr. Collins steps in and is like, what the fuck's going on? It's definitely not your turn. Um, but Ms. Dalton snaps and says, do, don't you think I know what I'm supposed to Don't you think I know what I'm supposed to do? Or do you think I need a leader too? Mr. Collins is just like, what the fuck? And <laughs> goes. And um, Jessica's intrigued, but of course she never stays interested in other people for long. She's more interested in Robbie October. <laughs> <sighs> so later on, Todd asks Liz why she's ignoring him. They have yet another stupid melodramatic fight. It's just so tedious. He's like, why are you so down on me and Courtney? I was this different from your friendship with Ken. <laughs> Yeah, he wants to know why uh, why she's so annoyed at him having a female friend. He's like, it's no different from me being friends with Emily Mayer or you being friends with, say, Ken Matthews. Uh, so he wants to know how this is any different from that. <laughs> and Liz is like, she kind of flips the lid eventually and says, you know, you've never woken up in the middle of the night to see me asleep next to Ken, my hand in his. <laughs> Todd is like, that's because you've never woken up to Ken crying like his heart might break. That's because Ken doesn't have a father he has to worry about every second of the day and night and that's because Ken's got plenty of friends who won't let him down I just feel like Ken is back in Sweet Valley just kind of looking around going huh? what? what? <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> um, so basically after that uh, flight of fancy about Ken poor little Ken crying in the night did you have to take a little break there Karen? did you so overcome with emotion? He's just so sad. This imaginary version of Ken. (laughs) (laughs) Weeping in a greenhouse. Uh, Basically, Todd says, Liz being insensitive, and she's like, "Um, well, you know, if you think I'm such a shithead, maybe we should end (laughs) things. And he's like, maybe we should. Mm. And uh, Liz, uh, her whole body shook and the dam of emotion burst. (gasps) So... um, Yeah, she's in floods of tears. Then Annie arrives. She's miserable because she had started to trust Charlie. This is so fucking stupid. She heard Bruce and Charlie talking. And Bruce said, Annie's been with just about every guy in Sweet Valley. And uh, she says, Charlie stood up for him, uh, for her at first. But then... Uh, when Bruce said, what makes you so sure people like that really change? And Charlie said... Maybe you're right. And then Annie starts getting literally hysterical and says, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. She kept repeating. (laughs) And then she ran away crying. Fucking hell. Like, (laughs) this is just the worst trip ever. Like, everybody's fighting. No one's having a good time. It's still a disaster. They're constantly crying. Constantly. So Liz is shocked and we're done. This is one of my favourite melodramatic moments. In a wordless gesture, she put her arms about Daddy and hugged her tightly. What was there to say? The girl's grief mingled like two brooks converging in a river of overwhelming sorrow. <laughs> Holy shit. Like, <laughs> I love this ghost writer. <laughs> they are just going to town on every fucking metaphor they can get their hands on. <laughs> oh, and if we didn't love them enough, love them even more. And what comes next? When Liz <laughs> writes a letter to Enid, can you share the opening line? No. <laughs> <laughs> I simply refuse and you can't make me. <laughs> well, then I will share it, Karen, and you'll have to listen to it. Damn it. <laughs> 
<laughs> the opening sentences. I could now say a bit of the clubbing capital of the world. Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, it's called Kismo Beach, and for a dollar, you can bring your rake and buckets down to the shore at low tide and dig up all the sweet tasting steamers you can find. For fuck's sake, like, why? <laughs> why? Why? Just oh. why? <laughs> On their last night there, they had a clam bake on right on the beach. And uh, then there was a doom buggy race. And apparently, you should have seen Mr. Collins churning up the sand in one of those things. He was like a professional race car driver. He even won the weekly town race and a feast of fresh fish for all of us as a surprise. What is happening? I have no idea. Like, this is like a whole other fucking book that's going on in this letter to Enid. It's <laughs> ridiculous. But also, like, I'm sorry. How, in what universe are a bunch of 16-year-olds this fucking into clams? Like, I mean, uh, why? <laughs> we've learned many things about America. For all we know, teenagers were just hoovering <laughs> up the clams. They just, teenagers and clams in the 80s, you just, you just couldn't have one without the other. They just couldn't get enough of that fucking seafood. <laughs> I mean, not on this side of the Atlantic, but you know. Who knows what the California teens are up to? It's a, it's a... <laughs> but it's so weird. And like lots of people have pointed out to us that it's a real kind of New England thing, this kind of clam obsession. That's true. But for some reason, it's like I just can't picture California teens being this obsessed with clams. Clam like... cakes. What? <laughs> well, they get a little history trip then because they go to William Randolph Hearst's Enchanted Castle. Now, I wonder, is that the one that the cat, the one in there? Uh, Citizen Kane is based on, but um, they they apparently have a big tour around it. And hmm. Liz then realizes that she can't really tell the truth about anything because, um, you know, she she can't reveal. She can just sort of mention the bare facts about where they went, but she can't tell how she's feeling about everything and how mm. bad things are with Todd. And the next day, things get worse because the camping place they've arrived at is no shower and Lila refused to stay there and wants to go to the next camping spot, even though they had to cycle up like 20 miles to get uphill <laughs> to get it. And some of them refused to cycle anymore that day. That would be me. A big row ensues. Mr. Collins says they have to vote. Um, so the people who want to cycle on to Big Sur win. So, uh, uh, but the, the person who casts the deciding vote... It's Miss Dalton. Mm. And Liz sees something pass between her and Je- like a Lila, sort of a meaningful look. And we're told Elizabeth had an eerie image of Miss Dalton as a marionette with Lila gleefully pulling the strings. <laughs> the imagery, you know, they're really painting a picture here. Oh, and I fucking love it. The brook of everlasting sorrow. <laughs> I mean, just so good. <laughs> just oh. amazing. So they cycle miserably on, and Liz remembers how when they were in the Hearst mansion uh, that day, t- she caught Todd's eye for a brief moment, and they sh- they had a little little spark there. But then Courtney pulled him away, <gasps> and she's so miserable she barely notices that it's like foggy and miserable. You know, the weather's mm. just manky. And when they arrive at the um, at the campsite, Liz mopes off to the darkness. And she's joined by Barry. I mean, God love him. He's, I, I guess he's just become this way because everybody's so horrible. But uh, his self-deprecation is really charmless. 
Oh God, I know. And like, you know, he's, you do feel bad for the guy, but then when they actually show any conversations with Barry, it's just kind of like, oh Christ, he's kind of tough going though all the same, isn't he? Because <laughs> he says, Liz, in a soft voice, did I frighten you? Look, it's no one to be afraid of. Just slow as molasses me. <laughs> but he says i mean maybe he wouldn't be like this if people weren't such dickheads all the time and he says that he's always behind and he feels like shit and he hoped the trip would be a chance to reinvent himself which is really sad because it implies that all his schoolmates are pricks as well true yeah oh and Liz tries to console him, but he says like he's always doing the wrong thing at the wrong time and he knows he's making a fool of himself uh mooning after after jessica and liz is actually nice to him like she gives him sort of a pep talk and it's not really in a dickish way it is actually quite sweet that's true yeah because he is kind of talking about just bailing on the trip um and that he should just give up and go home and she kind of talks him into to staying and says you know you've come this far and like look how much you've 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 cycled hundreds of miles i mean isn't that amazing uh you know maybe it's been harder for you than the others but you're here aren't you and don't you feel kind of proud of yourself that you've achieved all this yeah um and you know all the beautiful places we've been to so she does kind of talk him up a bit and kind of he does kind of see that yeah he has actually achieved something here and he has seen some amazing stuff yeah um so yeah he, he kind of comes around a bit and she says you know make sure you stick around and you won't be sorry but he's not super convinced um no. at the same time but she does try to to reassure him that he should stick it out i mean to be fair the poor guy should probably just cut, cut his losses and go home because oh this trip fucking God. sucks <laughs> he really should um yeah because he says he's just lonely and hmm. uh because even when she says look you've cycled hundreds of miles already and you didn't think you could do that did you and but that sort of is the most closest he comes to being cheer cheerful but Mm. yeah he says he just feels lonely and he just wants to get out of there and liz can relate and on that mournful note we Mm. will take a break because as you know we are proud members of the headstuff podcast network and usually we take a break to tell you about a uh Uh, another podcast in the stable and urge you to check that out but this week we're urging you to check out the podcast studio itself there you go yes the podcast studios yeah so they're in the middle of dublin city center it's a one-stop shop for all your audio needs they've got three state-of-the-art studios and they sort you out with everything you're going to need for podcasts or voiceover work audiobook recordings like all that jazz Uh, they're also set up for video recording and live streaming or green screen filming that sounds pretty cool Um, I want to do some green screen filming (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah so you should check out the studio if if you're interested in starting your own podcast or you need some kind of uh, studio time for for something or other then definitely get in touch Uh, they're a sound bunch of people and uh, yeah you can have a listen to to the ad now here the podcast studios is the home of the Headstuff Podcast Network It's where lots of our shows are recorded and we work on editing, promotion, videos, live shows and lots more. As a podcast production company with three state-of-the-art studios for audio and video in Dublin city centre, we can work with you to tell great stories in a professional and engaging way. From government organisations to charities, arts groups to international brands, entrepreneurs to hobbyists, we've worked with everybody and we can help you to get the word out. Whether you need studio time, you're hosting a live stream or webinar, or you need support with editing or marketing, we can tailor a package for you. For more info, head to thepodcaststudios.ie. And now, back to somewhere in California, (laughs) where (laughs) the gang are frolicking with frisbees on the beach, and uh, Jessica's, you know, enjoying herself until she runs right into... (gasps) 
bloody October. The one and only. <laughs> oh my god. It's so funny. Oh god. Yeah, so that's it. She's playing Frisbee with the gang, I think, and does like is it that she runs straight into him? Yes. Uh, uh, she does. Yeah. And he is described very erotically. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know whether it's because I'm, you know, continue, still listening to the uh, this season of You Must Remember This, the erotic uh, 80s. Oh, the sexy films, yeah. <laughs> this is giving me 80s erotic thriller vibes. Oh, God. Yes, someone's about to get murdered on a boat right now. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we're told her gaze travelled upwards. A pair of sun-tanned muscular legs covered with fine golden hairs. A lean, taut stomach. Broad chest. A powerful pair of arms holding the frisbee. Ooh, very sexy. <laughs> and finally, wet curls framing a strong, handsome face. Deep-set green eyes. And an amused smile. Jessica. Oh gasped I mean if there were some droplets in the mix she'd have just passed out <laughs> on the spot <laughs> I really surprised your word droplets to be perfectly honest um, but uh, Robbie October is hilariously not cool at all <laughs> he brags about his exploits and he's looking at a hostel like a baby oh god he's like uh, it's just so funny that he's painted as this total rebel but it's like you're literally on a scenic bike ride with your brother would you ever calm down <laughs> So she throws the frisbee back to the lads and he says, nice throw. His eyes tracing the curves of her lithe body, barely covered by a copper-coloured bikini. And she literally thinks, now this is more like it because it's irrelevant now. This is if Jessica in the bikini, there is no stopping her when she's in a metallic two-piece. Like, you oh. just stand back and let her get to work. <laughs> well, she asks him, like... You know what's the best? One of the best things to do around here, and he says there's great hiking in the forest around the campfires. Oh yeah, very bad boy. There's an amazing waterfall that goes right down to the ocean. It's pretty wild. Oh yeah, very like rock and roll. Fuck's sake! Like it sounds very wholesome and scenic. Yes. Robbie, chill out, will you? So she's like, oh, maybe you could show it to me. But he says him and his brother are going windsurfing and uh, they're leaving tomorrow. Um, So she's like, well, maybe we could meet tonight. But he challenges her and says, well, maybe you could tear yourself away from the rest of your group. And of course, she says, you're on. (laughs) So uh, they just have the most hilarious flirting. So one stage she says, I mean... I bet you're a nice person anyway. She arched an eyebrow suggestively. Robbie took another careful look at her, his gaze caressing every inch of her. You're right, she said. Finally, finally. How long does it take him to think of this? Oh, God. I am a nice man. I mean, we can only assume he is fighter of the day, man. Oh. <laughs> logical conclusion to come to there. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, they're going to meet late that night. She's going to sneak out when everybody else is asleep and she is delighted with herself. Oh, God. Yeah, third time's a charm. She's uh, She's got a plan. She's going <laughs> to she's gonna trap that Robbie October. <laughs> well, then we cut to Miss Dalton's point of view. She's in the waves. 
She is. She's having a little swim. Uh, she's trying to release some tension because she's uh, she's overwhelmed with the <laughs> with the stress of it all. She's got uh, Roger Collins, Lila, her emotions pulling her one way, the terrible secret of her past pulling her another. Uh, so it's all very uh, stressful at the minute for poor old Nora. Oh. But uh, she spots something in the water as she's swimming and kind of swims closer to investigate it, but then realizes it's a stingray. Uh, <gasps> so she kind of freaks out and starts screaming. And Mr. It Collins, it is. Yeah, no, Mr. Collins is like on his feet straight away. He's like, oh, my God, are you OK? Uh, and she tells him what's going on. But he's just like back away from it and kind of like running into her. But she just kind of is so panicked, I guess. She's just kind of just flailing around in the water and kind of goes under. Yeah, so Mr. Yeah. Collins very heroically swims out and like pulls her to shore and basically <gasps> saves her from the mean old stingray. Yes. Uh, so uh, there's, um, they're, they're, they get out, of, I mean, they're, they're on the beach sort of mm. fraternity style. And uh, <laughs> when, uh, when Roger looks at, hears her heart pounding, we're told for the first time in months. <gasps> Roger Collins was not confused. <laughs> there was no anger in him, no hurt battling against his attraction, and yes, his love, <gasps> Norma Dalton. He pulled you even closer. I'm so glad you're okay. Oh, Nora, I've missed you so much. But then uh, she pulls back, we're told, like a boomerang changing direction in mid flight. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, apparently oh, she's looking dramatic. past him. There's there's a frightened look appearing in her large eyes uh, and he kind of follows her stare to see that she's just looking at the group of kids that are watching with concern uh, and she kind of tells them she's OK. But like she kind of shrugs him off and says, you know, thank you and kind of gets a bit cold and distant with him again after their little moment mm. and says, you know, thanks for rescuing me. But there's no no emotion in her voice. <gasps> and uh, and Roger, like Roger Collins looked down and dug his big toe into the sand. Yeah, any time he answered. Oh, come Aww. on. <laughs> very endearing <laughs> but it's that kind of flash of the way things used to be and oh my god do we still care about each other does she still Aww. love me uh so he he knows his doubts are gone anyway but the moment has gone so quickly he's like oh my god did i just imagine that is this all in my head like what the fuck is going on <laughs> so uh he knows something is still there though mm. like he, he could feel it too yes <laughs> so later Lila is astonished when Jessica apologises for her again I just do not know how this fight didn't it, there's no trigger for it like mm. they're just somehow fighting so Lila is reluctant but um, she gives in when Jessica basically bitches about Olivia for a bit <laughs> um, they just bond over being mean about people <laughs> pretty much uh, because yeah um, Lila had to share a tent with her last mm. night so they'll be back sharing a tent tonight, but Jessica won't be there long. Because, of course, this is all a ruse. She has somebody who she can rely on not to dob her in when she sneaks exactly. off. Exactly. Yes. Always a motive with this one. Hmm. So the next morning, Lila wakes up and there's no sign of Jessica. And she realises that, you know, basically that she's been played. And uh, she's a bit worried at the thought Jessica should be back by now. But she thinks she's probably cavorting with Robbie in a waterfall. So she goes back to sleep. <laughs> but when she wakes up later... Um, Jessica's still gone and she has to raise the alarm. This is the thing, yeah, because I suppose when she wakes up and sees she's gone, she's kind of annoyed with her. But now she is kind of starting to get worried. I think she goes off and brushes her teeth. And when she comes back, people are kind of starting to pack up and everyone's like, where is Jessica? And now Lila's suddenly like, fuck, like she's yeah. actually been gone for quite some time. Uh, so at one point she's kind of like, oh, you know, she deserves to be found out. But um, 
you know, that was her kind of earlier reaction. But now she's like, yeah, she's actually not here. So now people are actually kind of looking around going, OK, where is she? Like, what is she up to? Mm-hmm. Um, and some of them are kind of making jokes. But Lila's like, yeah, look, she's she left at some point. Uh, I don't know when it's uh, I don't know. So she's kind of like, oh, shit. Uh, I think Roger, she kind of seems like she's not going to spill the beans, but then Rod, Mr. Collins. It's so confusing, these two people called Roger yes, on this trip. Yes, <laughs> really are. They didn't take this through. No, they really didn't. But yeah, Mr. Collins kind of says, you know, covering for a friend is one thing, but Jessica might actually need her help, need our help, um, seeing as she's been gone for quite some time now. So, uh, yeah, so she she eventually fesses up that, look, she's gone to meet this this guy, Robbie October. <laughs> So apparently that they went for a hike uh, back in those woods uh, uh, last night after everybody went to bed. So she's actually been gone. Everyone realizes now that Jess has been gone for ages. Yeah, she's been gone all night. So it's Mm. actually um, kind of serious. Mm. So, uh, yeah, they split into groups. So to Liz's discomfort, she and Todd are kind of paired together. And Mr. Collins and some of the others, um, Charlie and uh, Roger and Barry, are going the other direction. Because Todd hardly somehow knows the way the trails go to the waterfall. I think, yeah, when they were at the beach the previous day, Todd had actually gone to the waterfall. So he actually does know which way to go. Oh, that's true. That's how he knows. Mm. Um, So, uh, yeah, they... um, he he tells Liz, look, we'll find Jessica, don't worry. It's the first word they've exchanged in days. And, you know, there's maybe a spark of hope. But then Courtney is like, oh, I'll help you too. And just kills the vibe. <laughs> oh, completely. Yeah. <laughs> so um, soon we, uh, we coach to Lila feeling guilty because the searchers aren't back yet. And she's genuinely worried about um, Jessica. And Bruce is, uh, is, is all stressed. And he's like, okay you know what's the problem what's what's happening here annie why are you ignoring me like we need to stick together um and uh annie bites back and she says she heard what he said to charlie but bruce of course reveals the end of the conversation because apparently charlie defended her oh who could have seen that coming Uh, (laughs) yeah so annie's like you mean to say all this time and bruce nods and she's like Bruce Patman, if I didn't know you better, I'd swear you were turning into a soft He's like, yeah, we do know him better. And this is all wildly out of character for him. <laughs> Especially as Bruce falls back and puts a finger to his lips. Let's keep it between us, okay? After all, I have a reputation to uphold. And also, I mean, your definition of being a softie is like, you were basically calling her a whore. Mm. And then this guy <laughs> said, uh, basically, that, you know, I don't, I think she can change. I don't think she's, she's still a strumpet. <laughs> like, I don't think this is necessary. As opposed to saying, I don't give a fuck what she's done. Um, yeah. I think she's cool. It's still like, I believe she's reformed. Like a Victorian <laughs> streetwalker. Like, oh, she's a whore no more. Like, yeah. Fucking relax. Also, the whole thing of this is that like, Annie never did anything worse than like what Jessica routinely oh. has done until she finally settled down with Sam. Do like, not get me started on that. So, like the double standards. Just stop it. Baffling. Baffling <laughs> yeah. as well. Um. So, uh, yeah, Annie's delighted. I also like the, uh, typically for this book, dramatic uh, description of her sort of <laughs> realisation because when... Um, when Bruce is saying how much Charlie cares about her and how he even convinced me to give you a chance. Oh, that's very good of you, Bruce. <laughs> I'm Annie's expression was slowly changing, her brow relaxing, her lips turning upward. I'm just imagining this happening in slow motion. Very <laughs> <laughs> So we come to the 
woods where Liz and Todd are searching and Courtney's shrieking over the sight of harmless uh, snakes. And for a moment when Todd sees her just being such a diva, uh, we're told she had her arms stretched out in front of her as if to push away the horrid vision. Um, <laughs> Todd wonders if she's actually gives a shit about Jessica but then she fakes sickness and like I think I need to go back and of course Todd is like oh yeah well I guess I'd better take you because this is more important than the girl who's been missing all night <laughs> oh god yeah so of course when Liz sees all this kind of play out she's just like oh for fuck's sake she's like, look the two of you can do whatever you want I'm not giving up like obviously she's going to keep looking for her yeah. sister uh, and Todd is like you know nobody said anything about giving up but if Courtney's getting sick we should get her back to camp right away oh, uh, so like I mean everyone is kind of like staring each other down it's a bit of a standoff yeah um, but then they can hear the other group uh, calling for Jessica so it's like Okay, Grant. So Liz is like, look, I'm going to go with the other group now. You can fuck off back to the camp with Bloody yeah. Courtney. Uh, so it kind of gets them out of the situation because no one was budging there. Like Liz obviously was going to keep going and Todd was like, no, I need to carry Courtney back oh, to the campground. That's literally what she's like. Mm, yeah. Like it is absolutely nuts. <sighs> so yeah, they go off. Uh, Liz realises she's finally, that he's just finally made his choice. He's chosen. Mm. Yeah. Because to a cave <laughs> we just got Robbie you're trapped by the bear it's arrived oh it's the bear hooray hey. <laughs> so the pair of them are like hiding behind a rock in this cave Jessica is kind of just snapping at Robbie she's like this whole thing is your fault uh, because apparently when they were coming up there in the middle of the night they got lost Robbie didn't know where the fuck he was going they didn't even have a flashlight apparently on the way to this waterfall uh, and then they got caught in like a rainstorm so I had to run into the cave for shelter only to find that there's actually two bear cubs asleep on a ledge near the front of the cave so the mother <gasps> bear had returned and by then it was too late because they are now stuck but between a rock and a bear <laughs> essentially yeah. as you are yeah. uh and uh yeah robbie um puts on a tough guy act which is kind of hilarious but not very convincing no. because he is clearly terrified of this bear mm-hmm. um and uh, they're they're de- they're debating, you know. Well, it's not so much a debate. Jessica wants to scream for help, but Robbie thinks that the bear will eat them if they do. Mm-hmm. But then when Jessica hears Barry calling her name, um, she just screams, and uh, the bear lunges at them. Like, yes, of course. Apparently the ground shakes and everything. Uh, so Jessica's kind of hiding behind a rock and peeks out. And apparently the bear is no more than two feet away. I mean, shit, that is pretty close. Uh, but then, of course, Barry has heard her. So he's kind of calling out outside the cave. So the bear is kind of getting a bit turned around now and kind of hearing all these sounds, kind of going towards one and then stopping and going back to the other. Uh, so it's just kind of spinning around, getting all confused. Yeah. So she, Jessica shrieks out to Barry. She's like, Barry, get help. There's a bear. Uh, her cubs are in here with us. Um, so I think eventually Barry gets to the mouth of the cave and can see that there's a fucking big ass bear. Uh, and he just yells that he's going to get the others. So he kind of gathers the group. the bear as well. Yes. Uh, so he, he gets the group anyway. So they're all outside this cave now and trying to figure out what the right thing to do is. Yes, because he's managed to run, you see, despite his slowness. Mm. He managed to run at top speed to, to get the rest of the gang. And Charlie is about to throw stones at the bear. But Barry surprises them all by asserting himself and says the bear is trying to protect her cubs and they just can't goad her. And uh, black bears are apparently only, that's because that's what she is, um, mm. are only violent when they're, you know, when they're attacked. Like they're not yeah. naturally, they don't 
just go around killing people for no reason. Mm. And um, everybody is uh, is patronisingly astonished. We're oh. told Elizabeth and Mr. Collins exchanged a look of total astonishment. <laughs> Who would have guessed that under his insecure, butter-fingered, pudgy exterior, Barry was an enemy <laughs> and a- expert on animals? No one knew. No one had bothered to find out. Christ, like, imagine, sometimes people have interests. <laughs> oh, they're such absolute pricks. Really are. So uh, the cave dwellers scream, the bears all riled up. So Barry goes right up to the cave and uh, basically exits pursued by a bear. <laughs> and he literally, he literally does, sorry, oh my God, I can't believe I didn't even think that. <laughs> Well, he runs off. The bear chases him at top speed, roaring away. But then her cubs cry out and she goes back to them. But of Mm. course, this has given Jessica and Robbie the opportunity to uh, get out of the cave. And uh, Barry has graduated from nerd to hero, we're told. (laughs) Fucking hell. (laughs) Yeah. Liz gives him a big kiss on the cheek and everything. I think Jessica kisses the other cheek. Barry's like so kind of... Oh, <laughs> his God. embarrassment is overshadowed by a blissful, almost drunken smile that spread from one side of his round face to the other. For fuck's sake, oh. I couldn't even give him this. Like, <laughs> he's also got to be like really sort of dorky and uncool, and just like, oh, these girls yeah. are kissing me. <laughs> just, I'm very annoyed with the treatment of Barry. Yeah, true. So later, uh, Charlie and Annie literally kiss and make up. That's what mm-hmm. we really need to know about that. He's described yeah. in great detail for a completely random character, <laughs> especially at, on page 205 of the book. Honestly, and like he's the tertiary at best character in the series yeah. anyway. So it's just like, lads, nobody cares about fucking Charlie Marcus. <laughs> no, we don't. I mean, he never even gets a book to himself. No. Mm. So um, <laughs> Jessica's offering Barry marshmallows, deigning to let him sit next to her by the fire because he le- saved her life. Uh, basically, admits she's only being nice to him uh, for that reason and enjoy it while he can. I just <laughs> honestly like this whole group. It's like he's only worth any respect or being treated like a decent human being because uh, he rescued people from a bear. Like that's that's the lengths you have to go to yeah. to be accepted when you're not conventionally attractive. True. So Lila is apparently still angry at Jessica, but she win- Jessica wins her over and uh, she says that like Robbie is, a- she's totally over Robbie now. And apparently mm. he came on and basically was trying to feed her up underneath the tree at night. Um, so uh, she really has missed Lila, we're told. And Lila has missed her, not least because she has some very hot gossip about Miss Dalton. <gasps> Yeah, so she really kind of teases Jess. She's like, you know, it's it's only it's going to be worth like what the next three weeks of dishwashing duties or something or however much is left on it. But she eventually can't uh, can't keep it in any longer because of course, like the fact that she has missed Jessica, so she's obviously missed like her gossiping buddy. Um, and yeah, she she reveals uh, to Jessica that. Um, yeah, that Miss Miss Dalton is really uh, Beth Curtis. She reveals that yeah, she met a guy at a hostel uh, who knew her as his French teacher in Arizona. So yeah, she's like, so she was married to this guy named John Curtis. Uh, he was some like really rich, important guy in that town. His family was super rich. Uh, so she says, well, Beth Curtis left John Curtis a few <gasps> days later. He killed himself. So yeah. Jessica is kind of like looking for some fun gossip but this is actually much heavier than she was anticipating yes. um 
So she's just like, oh, okay. But she's also like, okay, I can see now why Lila actually needs to talk about this a bit because this is kind of serious shit. Mm. Um, But yeah, apparently this guy, John Curtis's family said that she drove him to, like this is all kind of terrible, uh, that uh, she disappeared a few days later and nobody knew where she went, but they all figured there was somebody else involved. So this is the kind of story as she has heard it from a former student, I guess, of of Miss Dalton's uh, previously Beth Curtis. Yes. Uh, so Jessica is shocked and uh, Lila says she thinks that basically Ms. Dalton is some sort of black widow figure yeah, yeah. marrying these rich men for their money um, and she has the same game planned for George but Lila's <gasps> determined to stop her and he, she thinks that the reason that she and Mr. Collins broke up is because Mr. Collins saw through Ms. Dalton's schemes but Jessica mm. is absolutely not convinced of that and she knows that with Lila on Ms. Dalton's trail Ms. Dalton is in for some trouble. Mm, definitely. So later, everyone goes to bed and Courtney uh, lurks in the shadows and watches as Liz carefully puts out the fire and uh, and goes to bed. And she creeps up to, to- Todd's ca- tent and says she has to talk to him about daddy. <laughs> daddy. Daddy. <laughs> so as Todd gets dressed, she goes into the shadows and she gets in her Marlboro Reds. Now that is hardcore. She's not even on the Marlboro Lights. She's on the true. That's true, actually. She, I used to country. back in the day when I was a youthful smoker in college and they are strong. Like, <laughs> that is not really a teenage cigarette. But Yeah, um, it really doesn't seem like it. It'd be like a teen smoking Benson and Hedges, really, wouldn't it? God, if the thought of smoking anything makes me feel like black <laughs> lungs just do not feel good. But, <laughs> so uh, she thinks smugly about her plan because apparently she's already called her father and persuaded her to let her come home with basically good boy Todd. Uh, apparently <laughs> that um, uh, Todd Wilkins the epitome of good clean fun and Courtney sneers to herself what could be more boring? <gasps> and um yeah, that's her plan. She's going to leave tomorrow. And she, uh, Todd emerges and Courtney quickly throws her cigarette into the undergrowth. And she says she's really worried about her dad. Just go home and check on him. And she wants Todd to join her. <gasps> oh, my God. Yeah, she's really laying it on thick as well. She's like, you know, how can I possibly have fun when I know he's drinking himself into oblivion? I can't stand it. I have to go home. <sighs> so Todd is like, you know, are you saying you want to leave the trip? So she's really kind of playing up the melodrama again. And she's like, everybody's been so wonderful. But I just, I, I can't do this you know knowing knowing what daddy's doing <laughs> um, so she manages to talk Todd into coming with her because she she needs a friend and someone to to help her support her through this uh, this difficult time so why not this boy she literally met two weeks ago <laughs> sure so uh yeah she also says like oh I know you have Liz because she knows like this mm. could be risky reminding him of Liz but she's confident in her powers he's like not anymore and it's so ridiculous he acts like Liz has turned into some sort of vengeful demon um <laughs> he's like the old Liz would have been your friend to oh. Courtney and Courtney makes her eyes big and sorrowful it's like yes she really didn't like me um so he says he'll go and uh <laughs> she says she'll get him onto movie sets and of course Tom's like oh gee whiz you <laughs> time to hang around with Nolan so uh yeah we're leaving tomorrow yeah, they do actually kiss. They? Well, they kiss as well at the end of this uh, conversation. Oh, that's true. Mm-hmm. She pretends that it's Nolan she's kissing. 
it's apparently the final bit of insurance that her plan was a success. Oh my god! Yeah, she's really got Todd on side now if he's kissing her because you you know how serious kissing is. <laughs> I mean, they might as well be back with the shotgun wedding after this. <laughs> That's how you get pregnant in Sweet Valley. <laughs> I mean, probably is. <laughs> so later, Liz wakes up and smells burning. Oh my God. Okay, so now we are in for our <laughs> second dramatic incident. Uh, yeah, so there's a fucking fire. She she can smell the burning. So she comes out of the tent and sees the grass behind the campfire <gasps> uh, is charred. The bushes are in flames and there's smoke everywhere. So she raises the alarm uh, and everybody kind of comes out of their tents. I think, uh, is it Nora Dalton kind of says, someone go for the forest rangers she says look yeah. Todd and Olivia are the fastest ones on their bikes so they're to go off and, and get help from from the officials uh Lila is fucking useless she goes this is the end <laughs> Lila cried in fear oh I know this is it she put her hands over her eyes and shrieked to the sky <laughs> so not that useful in a crisis unfortunately <laughs> oh I just love how extra everybody is <laughs> like it's just hilarious. And, uh, um, yeah, uh, Miss Dalton is trying to calm her down, and Lila um, says, uh, or when when she uh, when Miss Dalton says that she needs to pull herself together, Miss Lila pushes Miss Dalton away with the terrified strength of someone <laughs> twice her size. It's all so unnecessary. And says, what do you know about pulling yourself together anyway? All you know about is messing up other people's lives and then running away. And Mr. Collins says, Lila, she's just trying to help. And Lila says, oh, sure. Just like she helped her husband. Oh, my God. And of course, shock registers on Roger Collins' handsome face. But like, oh. no one has any time for this. There is literally a fire raging all around <laughs> them while this is going on. So people focus for fuck's sake. <laughs> well, uh, th- I mean, in fairness to Roger, he does pull himself together and concentrate on the fire. And he basically tells the boys to remove the shrubs nearby to mm. create a fire break. Yeah. And uh, Roger says that uh, goes to help. But Bruce says, no way. And we're told Elizabeth couldn't believe her ears. Had Bruce got off the deep end of all the times to rebuff Roger's efforts. But then, no we're not going to risk more than one Patman at a time, Bruce insisted. His voice had the ring of an older brother protecting a younger one. Elizabeth did an astonished about face in her evaluation. I imagine this is a literal sort of a doggy doggy what now? <laughs> oh my God, it's so funny. But it's just that thing of like, us Patmans are more important than regular people. <laughs> it's like, they literally have, it's like we have a designated survivor system here. <laughs> we can't risk both at once. <laughs> So Roger starts beating down the fire with a large metal pan, which sounds outrageous. Um, mm. He has wrapped the handle in the t-shirt. Yes. Um, but despite the fact that he is in this horrendous situation, Elizabeth could see that Roger was smiling. An incredulous, <laughs> joyful smile. Like, yeah, <laughs> seems like a weird reaction when you're literally fighting a forest fire, but okay, sure. <laughs> Apparently he's finally part of the family. He finally mm. belongs. <laughs> there was no time for a long-awaited reunion between the cousins, however, because the fire was raging on and the group fought it with every ounce of energy they possessed. Oh, uh, so, yeah, long story short, they were, it works. Fire goes mm. out. But Liz can't celebrate because she thinks it was her fault. 
Oh no, this is the thing. Uh, yeah, apparently at the start of the trip, Mr. Collins gave the whole group a lecture about fire prevention. Only you can prevent forest fires. Uh, so apparently anyone who wasn't going to follow his rules would be asked to leave. So because of this, Les is like, I bet at the campfire, at least I thought I did. This fire must be my fault. And Jessica's like, no, don't even say it. <laughs> Again, the drama amped up to ridiculous oh, heights. So Liz is like, it's true, Jessica. Elizabeth closed her eyes to hold back the burning tears. It so happened because of me. Crying. In the morning, I'm going back to Sweet Valley. <laughs> oh, good fucking riddance. Oh, stop. So yeah, Jessica is horrified by this. and uh, But Liz won't be talked out of it. Um, so yeah, she's just... Uh, she says, I have to tell them this trip is over for me. So it might as well be over for everybody else. And they all might as well have died in the fire if Liz is leaving, honestly. <laughs> what is even the point? <laughs> well, meanwhile, Mr. Collins demands an explanation from Ms. Dalton. So, mm. and she says she can't run away from his love, um, even though she dumped <laughs> him for no reason. And she's like, I'll bring you nothing but trouble and you can't help me. And Mr. Collins very dramatically thinks she was a mystery, a beautiful mystery. <laughs> <laughs> She's a mystery girl. That's her. <laughs> um, so he persuades her to tell him all, and she's basically like, "Oh well, what the fuck? Okay, sure, why not?" <laughs> so apparently, and I guess a trigger warning because this is quite uh, mm. dark stuff in this in this marriage. So, um, uh. Yeah, just brace yourselves. Um, apparently, John Curtis, she was married to him and he was rich and controlling and so were his family. And he was a heavy drinker with a history of mental illness and he was also had a history of violence. Hmm. And uh, he was always going around getting into fights and um, she tried to help him, but she just couldn't. And then one night when he was drunk, he hit her. So she left and mm. he shot himself straight away. And his family said, threatened, basically threatened her. I don't know what they could do. I mean, there's, there's no suggestion that they were going to say she shot him. But anyway, um, yeah. they mm. basically said she couldn't tell anybody. And then somehow get her. And so she ran away to Sweet Valley. And she feared the Curtises would find her then. And then we get a very nasty insight into George. Oh, this, you know, I, I kind of forgot about this bit, but this is very dark as well. Very like. And dark. again, it's kind of a weird side to George that I feel like, again, isn't really consistent with the mm. books because he's just, you know, a kind of hapless, mostly absentee dad. But this yeah. is dark shit mm. because apparently George Fowler knows the Curtises, so would have known her, her ex-husband's family because he does business with them, heard the whole story and figured out who she was, but had heard their version of the story because this family like would cover up all of um, John's bad behavior mm-hmm. and, and just kind of pay people off and all this kind of stuff. So nobody knew what he was really like. So... Nora, of course, was terrified that he'd expose her former life to the entire town of Sweet Valley. So Roger's like, oh, my God, blackmail. And Nora's like, not exactly. He just sort of managed to take up more and more of my time. What does it matter anyway? But like, it does seem like George has literally blackmailed her into a relationship, which is fucking grim. It really is. It is very, uh, this took me uh, back Mm. a bit. Um. So, uh, yeah, Mr. Collins says, look, you can't keep hiding and running and you didn't do anything wrong. His death wasn't your fault and I'll stick by you, you know, whatever happens. And she admits that she always loved him. And they reunite. Yay. But then Liz runs off through the woods and Mr. Collins (laughs) go after her. Where the fuck is she going? Um, But yeah, Mr. Collins is fucking chasing after her. I'd say this poor man's head is absolutely wrecked. Like This is not how anybody wants to spend their summer holidays, I'm sure. He is not getting a break at all. Truly, he is not. So now he's chasing after this little bitch. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) 
like one Wakefield loss in the woods was bad enough. What's happening? Oh. Um, so Liz tearfully is like, I can't explain it again. Go ask Jessica or Annie or someone. Um, so she explains that the fire must have been her fault. Uh, you know, she was like, oh, she's kind of babbling as well and won't really be straightforward. But well, yeah, she kind of eventually reveals, yeah, she was the one putting the fire out. But uh but, you know, so it must have been her fault that this whole bushfire mm-hmm. started. Um, but she also reveals that her and Todd have broken up. And it's weird because it, it seems like nobody has noticed. Yeah, this is the best and thing. Is, like, she has been noticing all the, you know, subtle, you know, <laughs> subtle glances and other people. <laughs> And nobody's noticed that her and Todd had a massive row and broke up and she's been crying ever since. It's just like, ah, she's fine. Mr. Collins is all, how the fuck did I not notice all this shit? Oh my God. Oh, it's so funny. But yeah, so she reveals this and he's like, why didn't you tell me? The astonishment on his face was clear and it was no surprise. Elizabeth and Todd had been the first to agree when people said they were a perfect couple. And like, my notes just say, insufferable. really are imagine really. what is your life like when people are going you're a perfect couple you're like yes it's true we know <laughs> we are <laughs> can't deny it. so annoying <laughs> oh my god so um yeah uh the, but he says mr Khan says look you know you can't run from your problems and he he realizes because Ms. Dalton said that all the kids, you know, he knows that they all know about her story. And he says that, like, look, Miss Dalton isn't going to run from her problems. And, you know, they're a lot more serious than yours. Yeah. If, you're, um, if, you're, if you really love Todd, you have to fight for them. And she says, Courtney needs them. And Mr. Collins is like, oh, what? Yeah, what the fuck is this? Yeah. So, of course, Liz is like, you know, she's... Courtney's so troubled and her dad is an alcoholic and she kind of reveals all that but Mr. Collins is like oh for god's sake like what is this no absolutely not yes he tells you all about Nolan and his criminal ways and Mm. that's why um, Mr. Thomas wanted uh, his daughter away and we're told Elizabeth felt her sadness and confusion vanishing like the morning dew (laughs) in the sun oh my goodness it's all weather and water features with things I mean for god's sake (laughs) She says um, she still has to go home because she did let a forest fire start and probably killed loads of chipmunks and things, oh. and uh, which is awful. And Mr. Collins is like, okay, look, yeah, that is bad. Uh, then he just say, Elizabeth, I want you to know you're more than one of my favourite students. I consider you a friend. Mm, no, no. I mean, there's never any hint of anything else. No, this is true. He does dance up and down that line every so often or in the early he books he did anyway. It. Never crossed it. <laughs> so let's keep it that way, Roger. Yes. But he does say, look, yeah, we're going to have to take this seriously, but I'll have to talk to Miss Dalton about it and do not go anywhere, basically. Yeah. And, yeah, and stop I'm, running off into the woods, you idiots. God, yeah. Poor, I'm, yeah, I do feel for Mr. Collins in this. Like, Honestly. These, this share of English. <laughs> so Elizabeth promises that she's going to talk to Dalton and she won't disappear before um, they've gone through anything. Mm. So uh, I guess it's still that night and Ms. Dalton tells the others the full story and the others all express their support for her, uh, especially poor Annie, because they sort of share a moment because obviously they know what it's like to be the target of gossip. (gasps) 
Um, and even Lila admits now she knows the full story that even though she sort of did know it already, um, that Ms. Dalton's been brave. Uh, she had no sympathy with her before. But um, Well, I suppose she didn't hear Ms. Dalton, like she only heard the kind of warped version of the story where the husband was violent and stuff. So as far as she knew, she just bailed out on this guy. Uh, oh, so yeah. yeah, now she has the full That's picture. True. She's like, okay, fair enough, Miss Dalton. <laughs> She's been to a lot. Yeah. So, um, yeah, they have their little... Um, moment of reconciliation and mm. uh then Liz says that Courtney has something to reveal too and Courtney's like what do you mean but Liz says she knows the real reason why Courtney is on the trip and why she wants Todd and uh she hopes that Courtney will let the sweet facade drop but you know she that's in out of her hands um so she reveals that she's leaving because she's the cause of the fire but Todd speaks up yeah he uh, he suddenly has a moment of realization he's like no wait you weren't the last one out uh so he <laughs> it's like courtney sprang to life todd there was a warning in the way she spoke his name and he's kind of piecing it together and he's like oh my god i don't believe this so he says look courtney and i were out after you he paused uncomfortably and courtney was smoking a cigarette <laughs> oh, Oh my god! This is like it's it's only villains that smoke in Sweet Valley. Um, so so Todd uh, Courtney's like that's a lie, but Todd is like, look, I saw you flipping the cigarette butt into those bushes, and the bushes apparently were where the fire had raged the hardest. <gasps> so Courtney's like, oh, whatever, you know, I don't need to listen to these accusations. Let's go, Todd. Um, and Todd suddenly realizes. Uh, he's like I'm starting to wonder why I agreed to leave with you in the first place everything I want is right here so he realises that she is in fact a devious bitch and has been the entire time and uh, yeah just like proclaims his love for Elizabeth in front of everybody and it says how could I have been so blind you know I'm sorry isn't good enough after what I put you through um, so yeah whatever declares his love and she's they reconcile and it's all fucking drawn out as usual and everybody applauds because of course they do <laughs> I have to say that she forgives him a lot faster than I would in this circle. Mm, very true yeah um, so yeah uh, Courtney has a tantrum literally spits on the ground in rage <laughs> she smokes and spits oh my god <laughs> juvie juvie for her <laughs> well she says Perry you deserve each other and Liz and Todd agree <laughs> <laughs> So we cut to the Casadel Wakefield and Liz is telling Enid all about their adventures. Um, they're sitting by the pool. Probably Courtney got on the bus um, to go to her aunt in Santa Cruz. Mm. And L- Lila and Jess met some frisbee players from the University of uh, Santa Cruz and they suddenly got really into throwing frisbees around until Jess <laughs> broke a hotel window. How do you break a hotel window with a frisbee? Like, no, I mean, we're those <laughs> made of metal. It's like... a piece of plastic. Like... <laughs> Maybe she's got a really good throw, I suppose. Uh, I guess she is quite strong from all their cheerleading pyramids and things. Yeah. Um, And apparently they passed Robbie and his brother on the road and they didn't know how to fix their own tires, which doesn't say much for their uh, biking adventures. Not so much. Yeah. Everyone's having a terrible summer, basically. But who could, uh, who came to their rescue? Oh, yeah. Um, Was it? Barry, Barry. Yes. Bar- Barry, yeah, proved himself once again and uh, sorted them out with their flat tyres. So there you go. He's just a hero from now on. Hooray. Uh, even Bruce briefly showed his softer side. I mean, allegedly. Mm. Like, vaguely apologising for bullying. <laughs> um, and uh, Enid says, it's still hard for me to believe he turned out to be such a pussycat. Really? Uh, I won't go that far. And Liz says, but don't expect to see anything but the same old tiger on the outside. <laughs> uh, 
it's like it's all cat it's all cat uh, language for Bruce isn't it with the grace of a young lion going Ooh. up some steps and now he's an old tiger <laughs> I mean well Edith was picking up boys at a ice cream parlour there you go <laughs> while she was foiling Russian communist plots underground in a tailor suit <laughs> Always in the sailor suit. <laughs> um, so Liz and Edith sort of tease each other and then they fall into the pool and Liz looks around at her familiar home. Her parents are chilling. Stephen's around. Jessica's inside. And she feels that even though the summer adventure was great, it's good to be home. Oh. And that's the end of Perfect Summer. Wow. I guess now they're going back to school to start junior year all over again. <laughs> Time is a circle. <laughs> that's how it works. <laughs> Well, after all that adventure, which was highly entertaining to read. Oh my God. I'm exhausted. That was so many ups and downs and so so much overwrought language. It was amazing. I'm amazed my little post-COVID lungs have uh, have got us through. My God, Um, you're a trooper. Can you uh, share any stats and outfits? I sure can. Uh, Yes. So now, yes, the blue-green eyes. Oh, we are back back in business, baby. We got 10 mentions of the blue-green eyes. (laughs) Just so many. Um, The blonde got five mentions uh, and then Todd's coffee brown eyes got six shout outs which is pretty solid (laughs) coffee brown eyes it's been a while I love it and there was at least one or two playful punches in there too for sure yes (laughs) <laughs> um, then in terms of outfits we had oh yes yeah, so we had Jessica packing at the start she was uh, throwing around her black Levi's and some red cropped pants which mm. sound amazing very impractical uh, though Oh, of course, yes. Uh, then when the guys, the gang meet Nolan <laughs> as he's wrecking your man's fancy lawn on his bike, uh, Nolan turns up dressed head to toe in black leather. He was wearing spike studded wristbands and calf high black lace up army boots he had decorated with heavy chains. His hair was shorn almost to his skull, except for a narrow strip that ran from the middle of his forehead to his neck and stood straight up in stiff bristles. Because I guess the kids in Sweet Valley simply don't have the language to describe describe a mohawk like it's just <laughs> it's just not on their radar as a thing that people do with their hair considering how freaked out they were by Lila's purple hair I mean oh, this must have just I'm not surprised upset them greatly um, and then oh fuck me yes this <laughs> I'd forgotten about this one so Courtney when they're having this big ridiculous fancy dinner under fucking a lattice work of grapevines Courtney quite Culturally inappropriately yes. is swathed in an exotic Indian silk sari shot through with gold threads. Like it sounds lovely, but exotic. you are a white girl. Stop that. Mm-hmm. Uh, her hair was gathered loosely off her face. Its few stray black curls cascaded softly down around her shoulders. To complete her outfit, a pair of crescent shaped hammered gold earrings dangled from her ears. Good heavens. I mean, it's quite the look, but 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 quite, quite appropriate as well at the same time. Don't, we don't know. Maybe you're... We were told that like she has dark hair and uh, they do. Strong. So for all we they, know, she has her mother came from India. We never hear. Now about this is what I kept an eye out for. It's but at one point, at one point, they mention her pink earlobes with her oh, some earrings oh, okay. she was wearing because I I was actually thinking I, I was giving her the benefit of the doubt. So I was wondering that too. Though uh, yeah. I mean, that would be problematic if one of the very very few people of color in the whole series was a body. 
Look, I know, yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh God, come on, guys. No, that was it. As soon as I spotted the sari, I was like, okay, they did mention like her bronze tan and yes. she has dark hair. Fair enough. But then I did keep an eye out for any other kind of physical descriptors and there was a definite pink earlobes mentioned. Oh, okay. So I was just like, mm, nope, this is a white girl. Um, then finally, oh yeah, we had this one from Todd. And this isn't that it's a funny outfit. It's just that I love it because it's it's the Sweet Valley Athletic gear, which I'm always oh. really into. Uh, I want it. I want he's it. Wearing, I know, because Todd is in navy sweatpants that were topped by a white sweatshirt with the word Sweet Valley High in red block letters forming an arc across his chest. And I mean, it's a classic and I love it. Give it to and me. I want one. Give it to me. <laughs> yeah. We want them. <laughs> oh, God. God. That is amazing. Are there any more outfits? That was it for the outfits. Yeah. I mean, we did get some great ones on the cover too. So really, it was a surprisingly good one in terms of outfits, considering yeah. they were on bikes with like only a certain uh, amount of clothes packed for the trip so you know fair play they pulled with, it off with no parties to go to true well, apart from dancing to abc <laughs> indeed some sort of um time warping <laughs> 80s 70s music 50s like beach party uh, fantastic um well, listeners, do let us know what you thought, because we always absolutely love hearing from you. Mm. Uh, you can get in touch with us on Twitter at SVH Podcast. You can send us an email at svhpodcast at gmail.com. And we are, of course, on Instagram and SVH Podcast. Now, uh, a lot of you and a lot to say about Don't Go Home With John. Um so uh yeah we're going to be we're going to be touching on some on some dark topics um mm. when we when we take a look at your at your comments now but um there won't be any detailed description of anything mm. um so uh yeah a lot of uh a lot of people were um were very surprisingly moved at the uh at the at the portrayal of sexual assault True, yeah. And unfortunately, our timing was actually terrible because it was right mm. at the height of all the fucking nonsense of that um, awful fucking Depp Heard trial. Uh, yes. So it was it made for a particularly grim week to release a grim episode. So unfortunately, mm. there wasn't anything we could do about our timing there. But uh, yeah, the uh, it was not, not the nicest of things to coincide with. Yeah. And um, just a shout out to everybody who, you know, for whom this episode brought mm. up um some stuff um because we did hear from from a few of you and uh we're we're really glad that some of you found actually the discussion helpful um mm. so uh we send lots of love to all of you and yeah we also share a lot of your your feelings that um how depressing it is as hello ali points out you know at this stage girls have lied about assaults at least three times um and uh you know she was um she was uh, bracing herself for Lila being taken seriously because she's the richest white girl in town. But uh, she was pleasantly surprised that there was such a nuanced, sensitive take that clu- it included uh, in stuff like abusers have friends. Telling the truth mm. doesn't automatically end the conversation. Abusers yeah. don't abuse everyone they date. Um, so, yeah, I think a lot of people were really pleasantly surprised that this book was not way worse than it was. True, yeah. Um, but... Uh, we did also uh, hear from Claire PH, 
who said, okay, so I'm 15 minutes in and I'm with you on American Chief Drama. I remember Pacey trying to put his hand up Joey's shirt in Dawson's Creek and are completely freak- freaking out and them having that conversation. And then he said, just put your hands in each other's pants and have a good time. My 10-year-old marched in and said, what did I just hear? Damn you, half term. <laughs> so apologies if we got anybody in trouble with their kids. <laughs> he also said, for someone who's you were mainly involved sniggering at the words sack or bulls. He was reaching herb and my pills and that was an outrage. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the extreme end of the scale. We know that's an established metric for outrage now. <laughs> Laura K. Diva agreed with us and said, I want to say how much I love the current ghostwriter between Weird Cat Ned and the Pantomime Horse. This works is on fire. <laughs> <laughs> it is a particularly enjoyable ghostwriter at the minute uh, oh and I did God. I enjoyed uh, uh, at uh, Lazy Nope on Twitter <laughs> sent us a gif of um, of Amy Poehler in Mean Girls as the cool mom saying this is Alice checking in on Jess and Sam because she's like <laughs> it's just that clip of her going do you guys need anything some snacks a condom let me know oh God I love you <laughs> <laughs> Which was very Alice's energy. Oh, it totally is. Speaking of energy, Anna Banana on Instagram said, Karen and Ken Matthews are more chemistry than Liz and Todd. Sorry, I was way too thrilled with that. Um, I also... uh, uh, I've lost the accent. Well, we also did hear from a lot of people about graham crackers still um mm. so uh you know that's always going to be uh that's always going to be there um uh, liz uh said i bet in a few books jessica will regret not dry humping sav in the kitchen <laughs> you see she should have taken her chances while she had them <laughs> oh we'll all regret that so um Yes, uh, thank you so much, everybody, for getting in touch. And uh, yeah, we we all got through that episode together. Um, so we hope that you you enjoyed this much lighter fair. I mean, we did have some darkness in it, but really, it's all so melodramatic and hilarious. Honestly, aren't but like seriously, truly, this whole thing with Nora Dalton—it's so fucking Armin Tamsarian. <laughs> like, I don't know what they're thinking because I don't. As far as I recall, none of this is brought up in the main series. No. Like, is it? Like, there's never any mention of, like, formerly Beth Curtis, now Nora Dalton. It's like, nope, she's Nora Dalton. She teaches French. That's all you need to know. She didn't have a secret life. It's so out of nowhere. It's gas. I feel oh. like our uh, our good pal on Instagram, Neri Siren, had tagged us when she was reading this book in preparation for the episode. And it was something like, what in the Twilight Zone is going on here? <laughs> like, it was an absolutely bonkers book, in fairness. <laughs> Oh, we enjoyed every minute of it, listeners. And uh, I mean, I think we're going to enjoy the next one. Now, I also think there's probably going to be some stupid Todd and Liz. Um, oh, fuck me, come on, give us a break from Todd and Liz. <laughs> well, I did. Th- I forgot that we were getting more of um, of the uh, of of the Todd and Liz pointless misunderstanding bullshit. Because mm. I, I, my memory of this book were bikes and bear yeah i mean really that's all you need to know going into it i think isn't it (laughs) well hopefully there won't be too many pointless understandings um in the next one 
because uh, it's in love with the prince. Oh, nice one. Yes, Dana. Shine, bitch. Love her. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's been a while since we've had a Dana book. It is. And actually, I feel like the last time we got... Oh, no, the last one we got was fine. That was the love bet. It was the time... The first one that was about her, she was kind of a wagon in it. Jember, her cousin. One with her cousin. Ooh, she's yeah. never been seen again. <laughs> True, actually. Yeah. Whatever Wonder. cousin, who cares? Um, but yeah, what her name is. She she didn't exactly cover herself in glory. I think was it Sally. What do I feel like her cousin's name was Sally. Sally. Yeah, you're yeah. right. But yeah, like Dana did not come out well in that book. But yeah. she has she has had some better moments since. So uh, I'm I'm excited for In Love with the Prince. I must say. Oh, so am I. Well, listeners, if you can't wait two weeks, uh, you can always join us in the clubhouse uh, for um, for some Pi Beta Alpha fun because everybody's welcome to join our sorority if you sign up to Headstuff Plus. That's right. Yeah, if you head on over to headstuffpodcast.com, you can sign up for as little as five euro a month. Uh, you can decide to support up to three shows. So if there's us and some other shows that you really like on the network, you can spread your money around. And whatever way you do it, you get access to everybody's bonus content. Uh, and or is, of course, is our PBA series where we recap the TV series, which is only getting more and more chaotic the deeper into oh it. We get. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck's going on. It's Honestly. Like our, our notes are... was in it last week. Truly, it's... You just never know what's going to happen. And like our notes just get more and more frenetic, I feel like, with every episode because we just don't know what's going on anymore. But it is tremendous fun. So do join us if you'd have a fiver to spare a month. Yeah. You know what? Throw, throw it into some PBA and get some get some Sweet Valley nonsense every week into your pod feed. And there's a very big backlog now at this stage. Mm. So, you know, you can go back and listen to all our episodes. I mean... We've done the whole first series at a big chunk of the second. So there's probably about 30 episodes at this stage. Mm, there's a good bit there now. And uh, yeah, there you can, you know, when you sign up, you will have access to the entire backlist. So if that sounds like, uh, like something you'd enjoy, whether you are a fan of the TV series or not. I mean, it's basically like deranged Sweet Valley High fan fiction. Um, <laughs> Essentially, <and> yeah. <laughs> I have to say that the, the Pi Beta Alpha sisters get very into it. So um, we also have some very funny discussions on, on Instagram and Twitter too. Um, so yeah, Pi Beta Alpha sisters, we'll see you in the clubhouse. It's, uh, I think it's more Todd, Liz confusion. So, you know, we're never escaping that. <laughs> it's everywhere. <laughs> So we will see you there for an episode entitled Like Water for Hot Dogs. I mean, I, I, reels, I, I simply don't know what to say to that. <laughs> but we will see everybody in the main feed in two weeks time when we find out what happens when our favourite droid falls <gasps> in love with a prince. Oh, hell yeah. See you then, everybody. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Bye. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com. Being a parent can be really challenging. Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them on their parenting journey. Everyone deserves someone they can turn to for help with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today.